he knows the score. He gets the women. And he kills the bad guys. But they soon realize... He's coming after us. They just... The wrong Mexican. Suspense. Action. Emotion. Please, Father. Have mercy. God has mercy. I don't. If you're gonna hire Machete to kill the bad guy, you better make damn sure the bad guy isn't you. Machete. of David Lee Roth and Machete. Why, hello, ladies and gents. Uh, it is nine minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of February in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. Uh, the talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It is Tuesday, and welcome to Day 12. That, by the way, is the best song you've ever heard. That is a little uh, David Lee Roth. That's not somebody singing like David Lee Roth. That is not somebody covering a David Lee Roth recording. That is, in fact, Diamond David Lee Roth, or whatever the... Is there, is there a Spanish equivalent to David, or is it just David? David. Right, so there isn't like a... Not like a Richard Ricardo thing. Well, whatever. So it's David Lee Roth, for whom there's apparently much clam uh, clamoring in the Spanish-speaking world. What is it you'd like in the Spanish-speaking world? We demand that David Lee Roth record all of his songs in Spanish, poorly, with an obvious emphasis on phoneticism. Please do this now. Well, all right, Spanish-speaking world, here you go. Uh, all right. I love things. 
I really do. Just things of all varieties. Have we used that David Lee Roth soundboard here yet? Oh, man, somebody made the, ba- the greatest soundboard. Remember those David Lee Roth? I don't think so, I don't remember it. Do you remember the a cappella recordings of David Lee Roth we were playing on the air? Oh, yeah. Or she's going, oh, yeah! Woo-hoo! Somebody made a soundboard out of that, so you can just have... Is it on the Internet? Yes, it is, Sarah. You can just punctuate random sentences with David Lee Roth going, oh, yeah! It's fantastic. All right. Well, in any event, uh, why, hello, it is uh, Tuesday. If you want to get on board today, and I know you do, it's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, ruminations, ponderings, musings, whatever you might have today. 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com, sarah at 970.am, or richie with a T. At 9:70 a.m., ladies and gentlemen, that's how you can uh, that's how you can join us. Why uh, might you join us today? Well, because we're going to have any number of amusing things happening. Uh, seeing a radio correspondent, Lisa Desjardins, will join us from the Hill. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, blah 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 stimulus package, blah 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 disaster, blah 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 worst crisis in a generation. Uh, let's see. We'll talk to. I guess we're not going to be talking to Steve Castamel. That's unfortunate. Is he busy? Is he doing a thing? Yeah, I guess he's not available until after three. Come on! I know. All right. A tie in the $3,000 suit. Well, whatever. You know what it is? So here's the thing. I'm going to go on undaunted. I can't be stopped. So because there's no Steve Kastenbaum, you know, I have no choice here. I will, ladies and gentlemen, be discussing this sports story as though I understand it. Because apparently it's a big deal. And it is a big deal. I, even I know what it's all about. Because it's... Uh, in a moment, we'll bring on uh, Richie Bristol and he can address... I think it's Alex Rodriguez just copped to the fact that he was all uh, juiced up and whatnot. Well, like now? Yeah, I think he, now he's like, well... Well, yes, I was full of drugs. Now, I mean, I, I thought you said hugs, and no, there were no hugs. But drugs, drug, no act with a D. No, yeah, I was on all kinds of drugs. Absolutely. So uh, for many years, apparently, good for him. We'll talk about that later on, uh, and then uh, seeing a radio correspondent, Amanda Moyer. There's one company in America that is hiring. What's that company? You'll find out later on. Uh, our good friend Dawn Taylor will join us today. She will be uh, sitting over there in the uh, chair to my immediate right. Let's see what else. Uh, we got this stuff in the National Enquirer we didn't get through yesterday. Because I was so busy on this, the thing of Sarah Palin's idiot family where there was some uh, moronic MySpace posting where they're talking about, give me back my nephew. And that's nephew, N-E-F-U, by the way. Uh, let's see. So I, I didn't get to the rest of this. There's Part of this, it's like I don't even want to say because Sarah might not know it. This might have caught you off guard. You might, uh, like, you, you might not have known about this. I haven't read any of the Britney secret diary. Okay, stuff. let me ask you this, just real quickly, before we do anything else. And this is not even about, the reason I picked up the National Enquirer is because it's got Britney's stolen diaries. Hearing voices again, they won't go away. There's one that's a little bit darker uh, that I won't read right now. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be like Johnny Serious right off the bat. But uh, apparently she she was pregnant at one point and then... Less pregnant the next week. Ah, became unpregnant. Yes. Apparently Justin Timberlake wasn't too happy about that. Oh, pwned. So we'll uh, we'll re- we'll read that later on. But do you? Uh, I don't even know where. I'm just gonna come out with this. You may you might already know this. Maybe we've discussed this already. Did you know that um, Jonathan Knight was the gay from the no. New Kids on the Block? No, oh. I didn't. Oh. But, I mean, I always kind of assumed it. Yeah, Jonathan Knight's gay lover tells all, Sarah, intimate details of NKOTB's uh, singer romance with a Brazilian model. But who really 
really cares at this point? You care because there's a photo of Jonathan Knight kissing a hot Brazilian guy. Really? Yeah. Okay. See, there you go. Listen to how you're all attentive. All right, you're ready. All right. Okay. I'm going to put that right there. All right. You get that later on. Um, all right. 503-733-2970. See, do I know what you like or do I? Rick Emerson gives. All right. I'm not just going to talk about it. You know it. what? And you gave me happiness today. You gave me the beginning of a new news pile. Huge news pile. Uh, and so forth. It's 503-733-2970, uh, so we'll uh, get your calls. Uh, let's see. Later on, we do have a... We meant to do this double shot a double shot yesterday, but it is uh, it is Tuesday, so what better day to do a double shot of music? I have this this track from... And I hate to keep... It sounds like it's not getting to it, so we we got to get to it today. This horrible new song from Lil Wayne. Um... It is really just one of the worst things that's ever been... I mean, the fact that they even wasted plastic on this. I mean, I guess it works for us. I mean, it, it, it gives me something It gives me something to amuse uh, myself for a few minutes. So, I mean, I guess I'm glad they did it for that purpose, but wow. And we also have this other one that you and I... That thing you were playing me before the program, uh, right as we were getting ready to go on the air, Sarah was playing this other installment of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard just here in the studio, and it was so jaw-droppingly awful. I, I mean, just can't even believe that exists. And then some guy, some fat bastard sat in a studio and went, no, 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 that's great. Lay it down just like that. This, is that. this person was able to put this behind them and like have another career. And become a huge success. I cannot believe that. There's nothing better than finding early recordings of a musician, uh, you know, especially recordings that they've done their best to sort of hide, you know, like, no, 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 please go back and burn that record where I was attempting to just do Albanian uh, polkas. No, 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 please get that off the market. Uh, uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, let's see. Do we have anything else coming up today? Well, that's that's pretty much it. we got a, we got a top five that we've been putting off, but we may or may not get to that. It's 503-733-2970. Religious Nutcase Watch coming up today. Uh, Geek Watch coming up today as well. Let's see what else. Ooh, remember that guy yesterday? Uh, the stew maker, the guy who dissolved 300 people. We have an update on him. Oh, well, that's perfect, since Don Taylor had the Stewmaker story. She was a huge fan of that guy. So uh, we'll have an update on the guy who dissolved 300 people in a big vat of acid. Indian woman has football-sized tumor removed from jaw. Uh, let's see, what else What else do we have? And Well, that's that's kind of it. So, all right. Oh, and we have an update on the Rihanna thing. I'll just read it now, uh, because we have Katie Darrell from TMZ.com, who's going to be with us at around 150. I'll just read this little blurb here. Law enforcement sources have now gotten specific. Police took pictures of Rihanna's injuries, and they are, quote... What would you think is the adjective, Sarah, that they've used to describe Rihanna's injuries? Unpleasant? Horrific. Ooh. Really? Yes. Uh, what a bastard. That's alleged bastard, Sarah. Alleged bastard. As we reported, this is uh, Rihanna, the, the singer, because I guess right before the Grammys, I guess her uh, her man was... Uh, I guess they came and just dragged, dragged his uh, ass away in handcuffs. Uh, for allegedly putting a big beat down on her in the street. In, I mean, not that it would be more acceptable like if it was at home in the kitchen, but I mean, really. Anyway. As we reported, we being TMZ, the photo showed major contusions on both sides of the singer's face. There is serious swelling and bruising. I'm only reading that so I can get to this. Her lip is split, nose bloody, and by the way, for the win, we have now confirmed that there are, yes, bite marks. All over her fingers and arms. Right there. There you oh go. Oh, my God. There you go. Allegedly. Alleg allegedly. Allegedly. It Seriously? Allegedly in the street in front of horrified onlookers. Uh, oh, there you go. 
Moving forward. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Hello. All right. Well, I'll be better than Rihanna. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, you know, here's the thing, and I and I mean this sincerely. You know the good thing about this is that I read a story today. She is cooperating fully with police. Good. So I'm not saying uh, I'm not saying that he's a woman-beating bastard who ought to be put in a small uh, uh, cell for the rest of his life and beaten savagely himself. That's that's wrong, and I wouldn't advocate that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, God forbid, in the unlikely event that he should turn out to be uh, guilty of these charges, heaven forbid that someone just, just, just gave him what for. I mean, for just hours on end in a small windowless room. I mean, that would be wrong. That's that not a thing wrong. that I could advocate. How are you, though? You look bright-eyed and bushy-tailed today. I have not been sleeping well lately. I don't know why. Like, I, I try to, I've been trying to... You know, lead a more wholesome lifestyle. I still like go out and stuff, but I try to be in bed before like midnight on on school nights. It's like I've been going to bed like at you know eleven thirty, twelve, then waking up at five thirty in the morning and not able to fall back. See, here's the thing: is maybe though you're only meant to have six hours of sleep a night. Maybe. Not everybody needs nine or you know. But then hours. that means I need, I'll need to start going to bed later because I just can't do this waking up at five thirty uh, in the morning. We, you know, later. I don't go to bed. Uh, I don't go to bed until uh, until like usually one o'clock or so because I just can't. There's no there's no point because if I go to bed at ten thirty, I'm going to wake up at five thirty or six, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and but then I'm just kind of wasted by the end of the day. You know, by the time then two or three in the afternoon rolls around, I'm hosed. Yeah, me too. I'm just like miserable and I'm tired of being yeah. tired. And if I get eight hours of sleep, I'm useless. If I get eight hours of sleep, I'm fuzzy. I'm lightheaded. I'm dizzy. I know that sounds weird too, but no. That's remember you came on this morning. You're talking. You're like, I know you said that you didn't get a lot of sleep. You know, so we both both need to stay focused. So I do a pep talk. But I mean, honestly, I can be more focused when I'm tired than if I get like eight hours of sleep because right. then I'm like I'm just the same as you. I'm like cloudy headed and yeah. I think maybe you're handling it the wrong way, man. I don't know, but maybe you shouldn't be going to bed earlier maybe you should be going to bed later but at the same late time every night yeah. in other words don't say like well i gotta be in bed by 10 30 so like i gotta be in bed by like one because mm-hmm. that's what i do because of the again and it's because i only need about six hours of sleep and if you i remember in high school they used to drill into us like american you know humans need eight hours of sleep a night but that's just not true mm-hmm. i think that that is a that's an average that's a mean that they arrive at by balancing everybody out but i think there's people who need more like lara needs you know, she needs like a good seven hours of sleep at least. I mean, preferably eight, because she gets up around five thirty and she tries to be in bed by nine thirty or ten. Uh, and I, you know, but, but for me that's just not that. You know, I get that, and then I suddenly get to, like, my head's just full of soup. Mm-hmm. So, all right. But I did have a good night last night. Our our bowling team, we won. I won four and zero. Did you have to bowl next to uh, the farmer? No, but I saw him and um, across a crowded bowling alley. Across a crowded bowling alley, I saw him and I decided that I wasn't. I'm. I'm was just not going to wait anymore. I wasn't going to wait for the inevitable, like, when our teams play each other. So I heard this song because he loves that song, Final Countdown. By Europe? Mm-hmm. Everyone does. Everyone does. And so it started playing, and then I saw him uh, sitting over, like, at his, you know, and none of his team members are in the music there. I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I'm like, I'm tired of waiting for the awkward, like, oh, our teams are playing each other. So I just walked up to him. I'm like, hey, Farmer, how you doing? And yeah. he's just like... I'm doing well. I'm like, oh, did you play this song? And he's like, I did indeed. And so we ended up chatting for a second, and it was his turn to bowl. And I'm just like, okay, see you later. And then just went back to my team. Well, see, so there you go. So then if you end up standing right next to each other, it's not going to be up. You've already taken exactly. the air out of the balloon. Seriously, because there are only, um, like, four or five different lanes that all of us are bowling on anyway. And, like, the past two weeks, we haven't been anywhere near each other. So I, I know next week it's either inevitable that we're playing each other or it's totally. going to be right next to me. So I'm like, oh. might as well just get it out of the way. And it was fine. Well, good for you. Yeah. So I did that and then watched... Uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Oh, is that any good? I heard it was a little cutesy. It was a little cutesy. It it could have been great. It was okay. I liked it because a lot of it was in Brooklyn, and there's this bar called Union Pool that I totally recognize that one of the big scenes is in. I'm like, oh, I've been there. It's right next to my sister's house. Um, Is Michael Sarah just doing that thing? Is he just being uh, George Michael Bluth again? No. 
He's got to find some way. He's got to find he's, a movie yeah, where he's, he's not that guy. Awkward, though. Because it, what is that year? Is that year zero? That new Jack Black movie that's coming out? That's him, Jack Black and Michael Cera. Do you know the movie I'm talking about? No, I haven't even heard of it. It's it's it, it's like it looks like a Mel Brooks history of the world type thing, but it, it takes place in biblical times, and it's Jack Black and Michael Cera, and I guess it's some sort of satiric take on I don't know on. on Whatever, an early man or something. But but anyway, the preview I saw, Michael Sarah's doing that same thing again where he just kind of talks and then he gets sort of confused at the and end. And it kind of tips off the Sort of. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'll just wait here at the banana stand. And he, which is, he's, a, you know, he seems like a, a, a good actor and he's like a guy, he, he's got a good head on his shoulders in terms of Hollywood. He seems to be staying pretty grounded. Like, you don't see him passing out in, the, in a ditch or anything. But it, like every role he picks is just a variation on the George Michael Blue thing. And mm-hmm. I suspect he really can act, but there's nobody pushing him to sort of get beyond that. Yeah. So, all right. Well, it's on my neck. Netflix queue, like it's gonna show. I think up you might time. like it. Like I, I like, I did like the end. There were a few cute lines in it, and um, the prem. It, it kind of reminded me of the premise was she's trying to find her drunken friend, you know, because they lose her. Um, right. I don't know, it has just like a bunch of weird stuff in it, but it kind of reminded me of Adventures in Babysitting, where she's trying to get to her friend at the bus station. I like what I'm hearing. Yeah. So like she's trying to, so this girl's trying to find her friend, and it kind of reminded me of that. Like it's kind of like a wild chase, and they're all trying to find this band called. Which it was a poorly named band too. Like it was called Where's Fluffy. Oh God. So that was, if, if it had been a different band name, maybe it wouldn't have been so awful. Where's Fluffy is no, hey, that's my bike. Hey, look what I found, though. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Good Lord. Somebody's got a new toy for today. <laughs> I'm putting it down. <laughs> hey, by the way, spe- speaking of my uh, Netflix queue, the reason that I haven't gotten Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist yet is that i got two movies I have yet to watch in return. One of them is called Monster Camp, and it's a documentary about grown adults who do this real-life role-playing thing where, like, one week a month, they all go, like, hang out in the forest, and they act out real-life Dungeons & Dragons adventures. And it's a documentary about these poor, sad, sort of Dwight souls who... Uh, you know, look ahead, Valkyria, a steed, you know. And so i got to watch that. And then, no lie, this is... In case you ever sit, sit at home and think to yourself, boy, my life is kind of dull. I bet that Rick Emerson's doing something really exciting right now. I bet he lives the... I bet he's drinking champagne from the slipper of a chorus girl. Uh, I've got a documentary at home called Helvetica, which is just a 90-minute documentary about a font. I love fonts. Well, I used to be. Thank obsessed. you for saying that just now, even if you don't mean it. No, I totally do. I I used to be obsessed with fonts when I was in high school and uh, in college. Excellent. Because I um, yes, and I'm, I'm yeah. No, that's great. Look, clearly there's a lot of it, Sarah, because there's a 90-minute documentary that is just about a font. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because I find them fascinating too. Uh, it, 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 fonts are sort of less impressive now that everybody can do them. You can just sit at home with your, you know, with, with PageMaker, not PageMaker, hello, 1990, whatever it is, you know, graphical programs on computers are so easy now. You just sit at home and create your own whatever. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the idea that you know, a guy just had to sit down and create, like, Times Roman or something, That's like, so cool. 80 years ago was weird. You I know, remember I mean, one of my favorite digital, that? one of my favorite graphic design classes I had in college was we all had to make our own fonts. And see, isn't and that it righteous? Was so fun. Yeah. It was, yeah, we had to do, uh, like, uppercase and lowercase. It was amazing. One of these days, by the way, I'm calling dibs on this now. One of these days, I'm going to have my own font made, and it's going to be like the Rick Emerson font, and I'm going to use it for everything I do. Uh, I used to know a guy, this is kind of before the internet sort of permeated every aspect of our lives. He one of his things was he would make custom fonts for companies, and the way he would do it is he would go to these old ass uh, like magazine shops and newspaper shops, and he would try to find like a you know like some uh, like a Harper's Bazaar from 1907, and he would look through until he'd find like a single letter that he liked, and then from that he would extrapolate out a whole alphabet in that font. So he would he would find some small piece of artwork, and from that he would create an entire series of letters, uh, you know, more or less by hand, mm-hmm. uh, which is just the, like the coolest way to make a living, because you don't really ever think about that. You don't think that there's a guy who had to create 
goddamn Comic Sans or some crap. So, all right. Excellent. Hello, Richie Bristol. How are you? Good morning. How was your bowling last night? I heard you were in a better mood. Was I? Yes. We all had a lot of fun last night. I didn't night. have my protein drink. That's why. I heard that you weren't such an ass, basically. <laughs> no. Yeah. I wasn't. I, I, my average has gone up, like, what, 40? Yeah, and you were a good coach last night, too. He he did a great job of kind of keeping everyone in line. And we were, well, we were still the last team, but I think everything went a little bit quicker. We were always the last day. team. To we're always the last team. I don't know what's wrong with that. What can you do? I'm getting drunk. More drunk than everybody. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, uh, so uh, yesterday you did this. We're doing a, a Valentine's Day or not contest with ProFlowers.com. Every day, and we'll do that again today, by the way. Every day we're going to read one of your breakup stories. You can go to 970 am submit your breakup story less than 200 words uh if we read it on the air you win a 75 dollars gift certificate to proflowers.com and then we are augmenting all of those today with a story from richie bristol now you got a story today but we had some people uh, speculating that yesterday's story a few people thought that you were lying and we don't think you're lying no, i mean no. I, I know yesterday's you story know is true no, I know it's oh no i believe it but i want to know more details about this woman that was duct taped in your basement you and you were pouring kool-aid on her yeah i'm trying to find her so can you track her down yeah, and i won't coach her or nothing that way you have the full story from her she she right. doesn't listen, I'm sure. Because so. people are wanting more details about that. But that so. way you can hear it from her mouth. Excellent. It's pretty good. Uh, Rick, yes. just a word of the wise. You know how like I said you and he- Mike, my friend Heather here remind each other? She's like, by the way, I have Helvetica in my Netflix queue. Yeah. <laughs> you can watch it online. She's like, you can watch it online on the Internet if you want to. Excellent. All right, yeah. so I'm totally going to. No, no, no. It's, uh, yeah, it, it looks to be a fantastic documentary. And um, so I think it was Joni, actually, that has there's, there's some font designer somewhere that Joni DeRoshi has this huge crush on. She's like, I got the biggest crush. And I don't even think she knows what he looks like. He's just some guy somewhere who creates fonts. And she's like, no, no, no. I love him for his fonts. <laughs> hey, yeah. there's well, nothing wrong with that. Well, oh, and I also, yesterday was and Andress's. Yeah, Richie's got a bunch of dresses hanging in the studio. That he's going to try on later. Right. Yes? Um, oh, and I also watched that movie that um, listeners have called in like over and over again to say Mirror Mask. Right, that's the Pan's Labyrinth guy, right? Yeah. Guillermo del Toro. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. that guy makes creepy films. There's something wrong with that. And him. it's PG, and I'm watching oh. that. I'm like, if I would have, because I saw Labyrinth when I was too young, and it scared the crap out of me. If I saw that when I was like 12 or 13 Mirror Mask, I would be scarred for life. No, there's something weird about that guy. He he creates, uh, yeah, his movies are, are unnerving. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey guys, I love your show. Thank you. Um, I wanted to share with you. I love listening to your show online. Um, I work from home, so you know I listen to a lot of radio uh, on the internet. And um, I was having a lot of troubles. Like half of my my radio players that I would click on would not work, and I thought it was something on my end. And uh, I just switched uh, internet service providers yesterday and found out that in fact uh, the one I was using before that let's not identify whoever you were using before. Yes, I won't. Can I tell you what it rhymes with? Please don't. Okay. Uh, for now, anyway. Let's. Well, here's the thing. Let's 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 finish the story. Let me let me do this. Yeah. Let's figure out how the story ends, and then we'll decide who needs to be identified and who doesn't. You better believe it. So I switched originally just to save money, and um, which I did, and all of a sudden all of my radio players work, and I thought that your listeners might want to know that if they're being blocked. Well, let me ask you this: When were you having this issue? I had this issue the whole time that I was with the other service provider, and then I just switched, and yesterday, and all of a sudden, now I get them all. Well, here's the thing, because I will say, uh, it sounds like it may just be coincidental, but uh, we had a lot of people tell us, like, I know with iTunes, like, all of our podcasts were gone from iTunes for a while. You couldn't, they, they weren't there, you couldn't find them, you couldn't, they couldn't play. And I guess Bridget from upstairs sent some excoriating, uh, I mean, she screamed via email at Apple 
who kind of got their ass in gear and they fixed everything. So if you have been trying to download anybody out there trying to get our podcast via iTunes, it should be fixed now. Well, there was just some weirdness with Rick, it. So. I know that they're blocking people who download entire movies and people who do, you know, file sharing and big things. Yes. That's th- I'm listening to local radio. Is so, a, uh, and I just found out. Now, I, I'm sure there's lots of other listeners out there that have the same passions. They like to listen to radio online. Now, it might sound a little nerdy, but I'm sure that your listeners can relate. It's I, a, well, it's an issue. Yeah, it's called bandwidth throttling that some companies are doing, which is, you know, because to be fair, there's some jackass out there who's downloading, uh, you know, like every Fellini film ever made in seven different languages, which, of course, kind of sucks up the band. But do, do me a huge favor. What is your name, sir? Uh, my name is Joe. Okay, Joe, will you do me a favor? Will you drop me an email uh, to Rick at Rick Emerson, just kind of with all the pertinent details so I can kind of be in the know on this? Oh, you better believe it, brother. All right. Thank anyway, you, my guys, friend. Keep up the great work and uh, best show ever. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. There you go. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Morning, Rick. Hello. Hey, I got a question. If I uh, was wondering if you can ask Lisa. No offense to Max Bear, but when uh, Jethro Bodine was our president, yes, I think it was 2004. Bremer went over and brought back 12 billion dollars, but no, nothing was ever mentioned about that money. Well, I'm sorry, your phone cut out. I missed part of that. I said Bremer went over there in, uh, in Iraq, and there was 12 billion dollars. I heard that was brought back over here, but nothing ever was mentioned of that money. All right, writing down. Hold on. All right, everything's written down on my legal pad, sir. If it's on the legal pad, it happens. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Ah, uh, your phone. There's some weirdness with your phone. Mm-hmm. All right, well, sorry about the call. Uh, yeah, call us back at some other point. There's some, we're having an issue there. Uh, one more, then we got a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Is this me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. Uh, you're talking about, uh, like, getting so many hours of sleep every night? Yes. Uh, like, my dad, he's, uh, he's a uh, pretty grizzled, but, uh, like, if he doesn't get more or less than uh, seven hours of sleep every night, he's either just super tired or just all screwed up for the rest of the day. So there's, like, no over-under. It's got to be right at seven. Yeah, it's got to be seven hours. Exactly. I think that everybody's in that's the thing, and you get it drilled into you. And play, here's the other thing. A constant complaint of mine is that we live in this sort of society that everybody is told, like, you got it. Like, nine to five, I understand that that's how the business world operates. That's how the financial world operates anyway. And so as a result, that is... I don't want to start a whole thing. Because, so, Sarah, you're a night person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just going to say, but, but, but anybody who is a night person knows uh, that how everyone sort of looks down their nose at you if you are like, like left to my own devices, I would sleep till about noon. Uh, and then I would get up, but I. You get the phone calls from people at 10:30, and then we're like, "You're still in bed." Totally, but it's like, but you know, but, but like when I was, you know, there was a uh, some friends and I uh, used to kind of work for ourselves, and the deal is I would get up at like noon, but I would be working until like four in the morning, uh, because it was at a job where I could make my own hours. And you know what? I was just as productive, if not more so, uh, than people who were doing nine to five. But there's just no tolerance for that. Like the the, the night owl lifestyle is is uh, it is just it's not tolerated or appreciated in this uh, in this society of ours. It's uh, one of the last great injustices, my friends. Okay, uh, one more thing? Yes, sir. Okay, thanks. Thank you. We'll take a break here. Back after this, Lisa Desjardins, Amanda Moyer, Don Taylor, your phone calls, uh, two of the worst songs you've ever heard, and uh, we will do a happy Valentine's Day or not coming up. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Don't forget, coming up later on, a good friend Don Taylor will be here in the studio. Uh, we'll also have to uh, see in a radio correspondent. Amanda Moyer will do the top five later on. Uh, Geek Watch coming up. Religious Nutcase Watch. And... 
so forth. Other things of that nature. Uh, so I'm just going to go through. All right, I've got the uh, Rihanna thing. I'm going to shut that over here. And we've got two installments of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. So do we want to do, uh, and we're waiting on Lisa at the moment, so this might be a good chance to actually do this. Do you want to do this first? Do you want to do this first song now? Yeah, yours? Uh, no, no, no. The, the one that you were listening to Absolutely. before the... Uh, I mean, it's just, it's so unbelievably bad that it sort of just defies description. Do we want to, uh, anybody who's been listening to the show for the last couple of days will know who this is. Well, and the person does say their name in the first place. Really? So should like, we just say that it's Alanis Morissette? I think there we should go. just say it's Alanis Morissette. So this is not like, and this isn't like, a, like a, a bootleg or a demo or some sort of unreleased outtake. So Alanis Morissette is the Canadian artist, and she put up these two records by the way, the, the one album was put out, like, her her, uh, her get-up in the front of it is, like, this full-on acid-washed skirt. It's, like, an acid-washed denim miniskirt she's wearing and, like, some weird, frilly, like, ruffly shirt thing. So it's just awful. She put out uh, record number one, didn't do anything. Record number two, didn't do anything. And then she signed to whatever uh, Matador or whatever that record label is, and she put out um, Jagged Little Pill, which was a huge thing. And I think the record company must have figured out, like, early on that Jagged Little Pill was going to be something special. It was going to be a big hit. And so their whole deal was, it may be difficult for you kids to remember this, but there was a time when Alanis Morissette was considered kind of a badass, which I know sounds retarded now. Like, I remember it. Like, but see, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, when I was in eighth grade. And it was, I mean, not that the rest of that, not that it's not a strong album, it really is, but there, it, it was all predicated on the You Ought to Know song. Because everything else on the record is really good, but none of it is really sort of edgy or whatever. And even You Ought to Know is sort of not as edgy sounding as it was. But at the time, it was that line about, will she blank blank you in a theater? Mm -hmm. And, you know, are you thinking of me when you F her and whatever? And we were like, whoa. And plus, she seemed like she was about 15. And so it was just all of this, like, weird, and, like, guys everywhere kind of recoiled in fear because she seemed like a real, uh, just like a real, uh, just like a real And ball girls buster. everywhere were just like, oh, no. I want to be her. Speaking for all of us. Dude, yeah, I loved her so much. That whole album was amazing. It's the soundtrack to many a teenage girl's life. It really life. is. Really, and, and with, like, the hidden track at the end. Would you say that uh, the girls now, uh, coming of age, are still listening to Jack a Little Pill? Is I that hope a thing so. that has... has I know I know no children now. The only kids that I that I've ever around are like really young. But I mean, if you're, uh, I just wonder because there's the records that sort of get passed down from generation to generation. Where it's you know like every I don't know like every year there's a new crop of, of angry 14 year olds, and so they're all and you know they all discover the doors. I would think so because it's not whatever. really dated with the lyrics. I don't know. It's just one of those. Even like it, the even the title track like Jagged Little Pill. I'm thinking of the, the lyrics right now. It's not it, it's not bad. Is it uninvited on that? That song, uh, you know, the City of Angels song. Did, is that on Jagged Little Pill? No, too? I think that's on her second album. Oh, that's just one of the best songs ever, though. That, uh, you know what, what song I love? I, well, of course, we talked about how we like Ironic, but that video, do you remember for... Where Ironic? she's in the car, yeah. and it's all the, the for hers, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, so anyway, just as a side note here, and I've said this before, but I always kind of judge what the kids, or the kids are into by going to Hot Topic. You can tell what bands still have street cred. Because Hot Topic, obviously, is a very focus group kind of store. I mean, it's a very, very marketing-savvy store. And they don't stock anything there that they don't think kids are going to buy. And so if you go to Hot Topic, for example, and you look at it under G, the only Guns N' Roses record you're going to see is Appetite for Destruction. They're not going to stock the spaghetti incident or the like, usual illusion or whatever, because clearly they figured out that the one that resonates with angry teenagers is Appetite for Destruction. And it's also interesting to note what they don't stock. Like, Hot Topic will stock Motorhead, but they don't have any records by Metallica. Because they must have figured out that Metallica just has no credibility with teenagers at this point. And so I wonder the th I wonder about Alanis Morissette, because she, because she did that thing of, like, you know, like she was all angry for the one record, and then she just, and then she went and she, 
I don't know, sat around in the sand in India or something, and then just came back and was all. And she just turned into like a real. She became turned into like a real tea drinker. You know what I mean? Just like it became like real, like real hippy trippy and everything. Mm-hmm. But so Jagged Little Pill comes out, and what we did not know at the time was that these two other Alanis Morissette albums that had come out in Canada only, and the record company. She was a huge pop sensation, right? Told, well, see, but I don't know. I don't even know if they sold. Look, I mean, Canadians will buy anything, and I don't know. If, I don't even know if they sold in Canada. I mean, it's possible. I do know that the record company did everything they possibly could to get the albums taken off the market. So when Jagged Little Pill, when it became really, really clear that that album was going to be huge, the record company's like, wait, what about this crap she did earlier? No, no, no. We have to get rid of it. And so it's like Rand- uh, William Randolph Hearst. When, and yes, I apologize because I am about to compare Alanis Morissette to Citizen Kane. So mm-hmm. when uh, when Citizen Kane was coming out, it, which is clearly about William Randolph Hearst, he was so powerful and he was so horrified by his you know the depiction uh, of him, you know the way that Wells had depicted him in Citizen Kane, and by the way, the fact that um, in Citizen Kane, Rosebud, Rosebud is a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a rib kicking in joke there because I guess Rosebud was the nickname that Hearst had given to a private area uh, of his uh, woman's anatomy. Oh, my goodness. So apparently Rosebud had a little bit of a, a, a double meaning there. And so he was so horrified that Hearst went uh, to the studio, and he had this thing where he tried to buy every copy of Citizen Kane and just have it burned and destroyed. It didn't really work out. So the record company was trying to do that with Alanis Morissette's first two records. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I give you installment uh, number one today. We'll have two of these. This is uh, part one of It's the Worst Song You'll Ever Heard. You don't uh, even you're ever know here. what's coming. Uh, I give you uh, Alanis Morissette, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Alanis. I'm a white chick singer. The drums are a-smoking and so's the bass. Shake your thing. When you sing. Drop 16. Is that an evil witch laughing? Yes, it's like a creepy clown laugh or something happening in the background. It's kind of like an I want your sex kind of a thing happening in the background there. She kind of has a Christian Bale like Batman girlfriend. Okay, can you pause this for a second? First of all, is she saying I'm a white church I'm a white, singer? I'm a white church singer. Is My that name what is Alanis. Saying? I'm a white church singer. But that doesn't make any sense. White chick singer? I think it's white chick singer is what she's saying. Except it's so hard to tell because it doesn't sound anything like her. I mean, if you didn't know it was Alanis Morissette, you'd never be able to pick it out of a lineup. It doesn't, I mean, there would, there's no indication that that's actually her except the fact that she says Alanis at one point. By the way... There is now inside me this small voice saying that we have to get her on the show just so we can ask her to perform this, or just so we can work into conversation that this is our favorite Alanis Morissette song. Oh God! All right, you have to go ahead and uh, roll some more. It's like some awful version of Bat Dance.
That's her message. I mean, I'm assuming this is the worst thing on the record because the little label that came with it said track nine for the suck. No, because remember we thought it was track seven, so it wasn't track seven. And that was equally What was the one that sounded like Celine Dion? Oh, this is, uh, no, it sounded like a En Vogue. Oh, that's right. There was, it was like a, uh, was it the, like the free your mind thing? Wow. Page and Jimmy Jam. Wow. Is this the same record? Yeah. Oh, this is just... It's like she's in another room. Alanis, can you move further down the hall? No, we'll turn the mics up. No, keep going. Can you stand outside? Great. Go stand in the bathroom and sing there. Here's the thing. She sounds like a backup singer on her own record here. There it's doesn't true. It doesn't seem like her any main vocal. There doesn't appear like there's a big hole up front where the singing is supposed to be. Wow. All right, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, Alanis Morrison. All right. That's only part one, by the way. Incidentally. And I haven't heard the Lil Wayne one that you're talking about. And those are two tracks. That we had actually, I have to, we have two people. We have Dante the Cab Driver and our friend Michael both sent us both of these Alanis Morissette records. So we have, no lie, 28 different Alanis Morissette songs. Uh, we, we're not going to play all of them. You heard two there. You haven't even heard the little Wayne one, which is just like so jaw drop. And that one, and this little Wayne song just came out like three weeks ago. They just released it to radio because I was walking by, and we'll get to Amanda Moyer in like five seconds. I just walked by um, uh, one of the desks back uh, by my office, uh, you know, where like Chris Paddock is back there, and that's where, you know, like the, the, the jam and air stuff is. And I walked by, and I just heard the worst thing coming out of the speakers. And I said, what is this? They go, oh, it's the new. We just got serviced with the new little Wayne song. It's terrible. So, and it is. <laughs> I've got it right here. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, correspondent Amanda Moyer. Hello, Amanda. How are you today? Well, how are you? I am fantastic. That's how I am. I would say that on the classic 1 to 10 scale, I'm like a 7.7 right now. Wow, that's pretty good. I mean, it's not even noon. I got another three hours here. So, uh, <laughs> anyway. Hey, um, so I have a question for you. And I did this as sort of a bad, like, radio tease earlier. Like, there's one company in America that's hiring. We'll tell you who it is later on. But I don't, even now having gotten to the segment, I don't really understand it. Because I, you went to... Oh, was it, this, it was, was it to a plant where they make the Kia? Was it a Kia factory? Where did you go? Where, where you, there was like this, this, you know, there was just sort of the influx of jobs happening. It's a Kia motor supplier. It's called Sewan America. And basically they make um, vehicle parts, the body of cars. It's assembly line type of job. And uh, what happened is they have 700 jobs open. Uh, they're going to start the positions to hiring for them in March. Not all of them are going to be filled immediately, but at least 300 or so 
in the next couple of months, and then they're going to periodically hire the others. But what, ha- what the deal was is they were opening um, the, the application process Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week, and when I went down there, there were hundreds of people waiting in line. They had to actually make a rope line, and it went all over the parking lot and down a hill. And uh, by noon, they had 500 people already applying for these jobs. And so you got to wonder if that's going to become a phenomenon that you see more and more often, where there's going to be, you know, people will hear about a factory or a company or, uh, you know, some specific location where some business is located where they're going to start, you know, where there's going to be jobs available, and you're just going to get this massive turnout of people, all of whom are looking for the same small pool of jobs. And I think that's exactly what you're going to start seeing um, with the, the job cuts coming as, as quick as they are and as many. Uh, just yesterday, I believe it was 20,000 job cuts from Nissan. And when I was out there speaking to a lot of these people, they have a history in the automotive industry. Uh, one person had worked for Ford for 16 years. And when he said he heard that, he's like, oh, more people out here looking for the same type of jobs. And, and they're it, just not there. you got to imagine that there's probably going to, if there isn't already, there's going to be some nomadic group of folks that are, you know, that are kind of just floating from place to place because it's one thing I know you can apply for jobs online and you can do a lot of that stuff remotely now, but there's so many of, of these gigs, you know, it is the thing where you want to get there and you want to get your foot in the door literally and, you you know, you want to talk to the person and say, hey, I'm here, you got a job, I'm available, these are my skills, whatever, and people always figure that they have a better chance of getting the job if they are there. So it would be it would be interesting and probably not a little horrifying if you were somehow able to just do, you know, just some top-down Google map of the United States to to see this group of folks that is kind of going from place to place, either within a region, within a state, uh, maybe from one end of the country to the other, because they hear that, hey, I heard that there's jobs at the Chrysler place in, you know, in Texas or whatever, and then they all, you know, and then they're kind of gravitating that way. And I would imagine it, that's just going to increase with every with every passing month. How are these, are these companies? advertising that the opening's pretty widely or is it just is it a thing that you know that the opening is advertised regionally but everybody sort of hears about it I think it was it, I mean it was advertised that they were having this and it was 3 days but people that I spoke to traveled for several hours away and that was just the first day of it um 2 3 hours drove uh to to come and stand in line people were wearing suits it wasn't the interview process it was just to fill out the application mm. and people were wearing suits they like you said they just wanted to make eye contact with somebody from the company so they may remember them for whatever reason and people started lining up before dawn I should tell you that the the process began at 8 a.m. Eastern, and people were out there before dawn, lined up, hundreds and hundreds of people. Good God. All right. Well, I guess there's a... I, I have no glib comment now. I will just say... Wow. All right. Uh, on that note, uh, just I hate to end up such a, such a buzzkill, but I the only other thing I was going to... The observation I was thinking about making here, and I don't know, maybe I will, is that it seems like it is just a matter of time until you start to see... There's a lot of very legitimate job locating services and a lot of uh, places out there that will, you know, they sort of, ma- you know, see a lot of these advertising during the Super Bowl uh, where they will match uh, unemployed people or people who are looking for a better job with companies out there that are hiring. But it seems like the the conditions are really right for, you know, a lot of sort of predatory companies like this to appear, a lot of sort of, you know, a lot of sort of scam type uh, businesses, you know, places where they would, you know, where they will uh, say that they're going to, you know, put your 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 ad out there. They say that they're going to match you with a company. They're going to make people aware of your skills, and then really, you know, they're just have to sort of swindle you out of a few bucks. So that, in my estimation, that'll be the next 
I mean, I hate to be again. I, I almost didn't say because I hate to be like Johnny relentlessly negative, but it seems like that's the next wave of things you're going to see is businesses popping up that are going to be taking advantage of the fact that everybody is so desperately looking for work right now. Yeah, you might, and I think you might also see a surge in temp agencies as well because um, even though they may pay less than than other companies, and the, the big thing is you don't get benefits, but I, I think that they're the ones that do have jobs compared right. to companies that mm. are just laying off. All right. Well, I'm going to go think about something cheery for a couple of minutes. Uh, Amanda Moyer, on that note, it is always a pleasure. We will talk to you very soon. Thank you. Thank you. You know, you know what would cheer me up, Sarah, is some more Alanis Morissette. You want to hear a little bit more? Yes, I do. That'll put a smile on me. We'll do that while we take this call. Hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be? Oh, this is Ben. Hey, Richie, sir. Hello, hi. Hey. Well, if you want something cheery, you should talk to Richie. He was quite cheery when he screened my call. Yeah, Richie is. You know why Richie's excited today? Because he's got not one but two different dresses hanging in the studio that he's going to be trying on. We're going to be doing this Oscar night America soiree at the Hollywood Theater on the 22nd, and so Richie's going to be uh, trying to pack himself into a dress, by the way, which is a losing proposition, because the dress is, as Sarah pointed out, way too way too skinny, and the material doesn't give, and he's going to look like a pork sausage. He doesn't understand. Like, I keep talking to him. He's like, well, I need to wear my girdle. This is, like, paper-thin, like, like cheap, like, velour material, and it's all clingy, and it's super tight. It's going to be tight on him. He doesn't understand that some things, like, cling onto lumps and... You know, on your hips and stuff. And I don't think a girdle does what Richie thinks it does. I mean, a girdle is for your like your stomach. It's for your gut. Whereas I think Richie is looking for some sort of a hip girdle that'll just crush his bones into powder, and that's not really going to happen. So, how can I help you today? Uh, I just wanted to make like a little comment. You're talking about you know going to Hot Topic and seeing what the kids are thinking is great. And yes, sir. Um, uh, I think that's like a small percentage though, because I, I I'm in high school and I like I see like all the people that go to Hot Topic and shop. Those are the people that also think that you know, Disturbed and Linkin Park are the best bands ever created. Oh no, I'm, that, yeah, I yeah. I think that, but I think that to a certain degree. I mean, I mean, it's not like Hot Topic is the last word. And as Trey Parker said, you've got to burn down the Hot Topic. Don't let it take your soul. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it's the last word in anything. But I do think that that everything in that store. Is they, and I really do admire those guys from a marketing point of view because Hot Topic has figured out a very specific slice of the population that will buy exactly what they're stocking. And I think if you see anything in that place, it's there because there was some sort of a study they did, or they recruited some group of uh, you know some group of, of market researchers to analyze what people are buying. And I think my other guess would be that if something goes into a Hot Topic and it doesn't sell almost immediately, it's gone and it's never going to come back. I mean, they adjust. Yeah. To changing uh, to changing trends in the in, in the youth market, I mean, almost instantly, I would guess. Exactly, and you can go to like any like you can go to my high school, and you can basically guess what's on the hot topic shelves just by looking at what the kids are wearing mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, especially in specific groups, like especially kids that try to be goth or whatever. Now, what I, grade of high school are you? I'm I'm a junior, but yeah. Shouldn't you be attending classes right now? I actually don't. I go to like a thing called Running Start, which means I get to go to like college first, and then I go back to my high school. Well, are you like some? Are you like a, a brainiac kid? You can uh, be honest. I don't know. Some people would say that. And by some people, we mean you. Yes. Right. No, see, no, you guys have. Yeah, there's no shame in that. No shame in yeah. being smarter than everybody else, sir. Welcome to the rest of your life. You're, exactly. The rest of your world, uh, it will be you uh, surrounded by people who are vastly inferior to you in almost every way. So just get, well, just accept that now. I try to make the, I try to remind them of that. So good, good for you. <laughs> All right, my friend. You call us anytime. Thank you. Thanks, sir. All right, there you go. I love it when high school kids call us. I mean. People. No, I mean, you know what? I mean, they, uh, you know, they need they need amusement as well. I mean, especially because if you're just, you know, 
Well, if high school, those are the best years of no one's life. Mm. If, the, if high school is the best years of your life, there's something wrong with you that's not going to be fixed. And by the way, it just... I had fun in high school when I was skipping it. Well, the, 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 see, that's not being... That's not in high school, though. But I was... It, but I was... <laughs> Well, I guess technically in high I mean, school, but not so much spending it in the school. I'm, look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's things that, I'm not saying there aren't things that happen in that period of your life that are fun. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying the high school experience, in yeah. the actual experience of high school and high school society. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you do when you're a teenager that is great. And it's not, again, it's not like I pine to be a teenager again, because being a teenager is just, in my assessment, like the pleasure to pain ratio of my teenage years, and I think it's true for most people. Okay, don't get me wrong. Lots of stuff you do when you're a teen, your first kiss and so forth. It's all great and it's wonderful, but it, but there's no way I would ever like it is just so not worth the suck. It is oh, yeah. so not worth everything that comes along with it. And and I just don't. I, I just never liked school in general. Like, that's my thing. Whenever it gets a lot of people now, you know, a lot of my friends are like I'm gonna go back to school and get educated. I just I do not miss school. I do not want to go back to school. Right. I did not enjoy learning or sitting in classes. Well, yeah, I mean, you meet people like that sometimes who are like the professional students. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're like, no, 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 I loved being in school. No, in fact, I'm going to go back for no to, reason. Back to graduate school and stuff. Like, I have friends who have been working at school, like Heather, you know, who's right. her PhD. But, I mean, like, other people are just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to school. And, see, I think that going back to school is just, I don't know what it is. I think that's people who, who crave a kind of structure in their life that, they, that they're they not able to impose on themselves. And it's not like I'm Johnny together or anything. But I just, I think that everybody finds structure in their own way. Mm-hmm. Some people find it in uh, relationships. Some people find it in a job. Some people find it by they just have that very, like, a rigid sense of order that they put upon their own, you know, the way that they conduct themselves. And I think some people seek that structure by going back to school because in school everything is very ordered and very linear and whatnot. So I should draw a distinction. There's great things that happen in, you know, in adolescence, in your teenage years, but as far as the actual experience of going to school and being part of that environment, either educationally or socially, you meet people that are like, no, 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 those were the, those were the best times when I was going to school. I mean, that's just a... I feel that, and here's the thing, like, if you, if you are one of those people, or if you have that sense, like, no, 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 high school, that's the, the that really was the irreplaceable time that I wouldn't have missed, the rest of your life is just going to be one long downward spiral of depression. I mean, if that's, like, if you have already decided that your high school years were as good as it's going to get, I don't know what to tell you, friend, because the rest of your life is one series of down endings from now on, so, that guy mm. sounds like he has it together. He right. sure does. All right, good for him. All right, knowing is half the battle, Ben. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back after this with Don Taylor. Your phone calls. Uh, later on, we'll have uh, part two of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. Uh, the, uh, Katie Darrell will be here from uh, TMZ.com. We'll read from the Inquirer, Religious Nutcase Watch, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Lisa Desjardins didn't even show up today, so you know. I mean, really, you're here, so you're. I mean, you're like one. You're one step ahead of her, sister. All right. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. I'm sure it was just an oversight. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Thank you for coming along. 
Uh, all right. So I gotta uh, stack some of this news we got over here. I'm just printing out all of the stuff I was. One of the another one of those days where I got here way early. I mean, I got like 7:30 in the morning, which is I mean, normally I get here between like 8:30 and 9 or so. I mean, to try to be here around the. I got here 7:30, and yet. Some you weird, got here at 7:30. Yeah, but there's some weird overachiever. But but I but, but clearly not because I don't here's the, I don't have my uh, show matrix uh, completed. It's only half written, and then I got all this news I haven't sorted. And the weird thing is, if I get here like really late, like if I'm filming Outlook Portland or something, and I kind of get in at the last second, I can usually get my act together, get all my kind of crap uh, sort of lined up for the program. If I get here way early, there's some sort of paradox, some sort of thing that happens in my head. Where I, I I can't get everything organized in time to go on the air, and I don't know why that is. It's some it's some bizarre. It's like that food in good good omens that's like full of calories, yet somehow like you die of starvation as you eat it. So it's exactly like that. Let's uh, we'll, we'll do a couple calls here, then we'll welcome uh, Don. Well, we'll welcome Don Taylor to the program now. Hello, Don Hello, Taylor. Don Taylor. Hello. Um, I on Friday I listened, and uh, you had uh, Kevin on who is the lovely Kevin Cook from Portland Monthly, lovely yeah. Poison Waters. And uh, Richie wrote this great little intro bio thing mm-hmm. for him, and I was jealous. So here, if you'd read this. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, let me just uh, hold on. <laughs> it's just uh, w- one moment. I just picked up a call. I'm going to put you back on hold. I'm not disconnecting you, so we'll get to you in just one second. Let me. Uh, do we have appropriate intro music for uh, for Don Taylor? And we have Don's theme. All right. Uh, oh, yes, we do. Ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> without further ado. A writer a raconteur, and a fabulous babe. (laughs) Multi-talented Portland personality Dawn Taylor is like a force of nature, wild, free, unpredictable, and full of bacteria. She truly marches to her own drummer, and by which I mean that she's as brilliant as she is lovely. Uh, Viva la Dawn. Wow, I'm overwhelmed. Yes. Oh my no, God! Did, did Richie write that? I, I shouldn't have. Thank you I, so much. No, it's what? No, it's that what was so unexpected. Not, at least I could do it for you, Don. All right. Uh, let's. Uh, hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. How can I help you? <laughs> That's so great. That's, <laughs> the best part is how I said I'm going to pick your call back up. Don't hang up. That, That's great. That was my fault. Thank you for playing. All right. Well, for the love of God, it's going to be one of those days. I can just, it's going to be one of those days inside one of those weeks. I can just sort of, what is it Michael Keaton says in the paper? Now that it's going to be a bad day, because he's talking about bad, he goes, sometimes you can just smell, I can't use his actual verb, but sometimes you can just smell a colossally bad day coming. And he kind of does that smell. Today is not that, it's just, I can sense that, I can sense that it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit nutty out there in the ether, as they say. I actually sent an email to somebody yesterday. Because I uh, I got off the air and I went to a whole series of meetings and went, and everybody just seemed very again not not even it wasn't like people were in a bad mood. I wanted to draw the distinction because I'm certainly not in a bad mood. Sarah seems chipper and full of life. Dawn seems uh, zestful and ready to drink deep from the cup of existence. But everybody just seemed very amped up, just very sort of you know, just uh, not aggro, but just very very sort of um, wired. And I sent an email to somebody and I said, hey, did something happen while, because it all, things often happen while we're on the air here and we don't really find out uh, until three o'clock comes. And my rule is that, you know, I'd rather not know about certain things. You know, if there's, if there's things happening in the hallways or upstairs or just dark news of some kind, you know what? I can wait till three o'clock. I don't really need to know about that now. So I, I don't, there's certain email accounts I don't even check when I'm on the air because I figured that news can keep, friend. So I got off the air and I went right into a couple of meetings where everybody was just sort of, you know, I'd say, like, how are you? I'm fine. What are we talking about today? Okay. 
And I actually Everyone was a bit edgy yesterday. I emailed somebody and I said, Hey, did something happen while we were on the air? Because even by CBS Radio Portland standards, everyone seems crazy. Uh, and this person emailed back and like, uh, I don't know, but I definitely agree with you. So anyway, so it's not just you, Don. It's oh, uh, thank you. You said that you were feeling a little discombobulated there. I am. By the way, did you uh, happen to find a pair of glasses missing one temple? Yes. Those are mine. Because I'm that's how lame I am. I like have broken glasses, but they are my only reading glasses. I why do your glasses only have one earpiece? Well, because the screw came out and I kept putting the screw in, but I guess it's stripped, so the the screw kept coming out. So then I tried I read something online and somebody suggested Please tell me you use duct tape. No, I used um dental floss. You can like put, you can uh, thread dental floss through the hole and tie uh-huh. it, and then that's it. Hey, what's up? The same. Wait, so there's your other fit. This is from my aviator. <laughs> Wait, let me understand this. So you have uh, Don Taylor has uh, glasses missing an earpiece. Sarah has an earpiece. Earpiece <laughs> missing glasses. So it's sort of like an ocular Cheshire cat thing uh, happening yeah. here. All right. So you're using dental floss? Well, I used dental floss. That worked for a while. You know, they make actual screws. But the thing is, the the actual, the threads are stripped. So I did try. I got one of those little kits. Oh, the threads inside yeah, the glasses. Yeah, so I put a new, ah. new screw in, and that one came out, too. So then it was I was doing that, and that was fine. And then the temple fell off, and then at some point in my house, I just lost. Here's how you do it. No, no, I can tell you exactly how to fix it. What you do is you take a, a paper clip, and you just put a paper clip through, and you just get a pair of, like, wire cutters. Paper clip, cut it, bend it, done. That'll hold it. You know, that'll keep that'll keep it until you can get them fixed. So. Well, I, I just, I'm just probably at this point going to go get a new pair of glasses. I'm just saying, one wow. of those, those cheap America's happy dental. Oh, you're not going to do the Byron yeah, Dental thing? glasses emporium or something. You're not going to do the Byron's thing of going to like a Woolworths and just going in that big rotating squeaky rack. <laughs> no, these are still sunglasses. Oh, there, plus five. And they're like, they're like these magnifying glasses that have just been sort of shaped into the uh, the form of regular glasses. I'm terrified those will make my eyesight even worse than it is now. Yes, I've, I've burned out my close-up vision basically from too much computer use and stuff. So I have, uh, I'm, I'm farsighted now at this point. So when I try to read, it's like, I'm becoming one of those old people going, what the heck is, what is this? And I'm holding, You're that, holding like, it, putting further. it up closer and further and nothing's working. Here's a question about that. Why does that feel like an old person thing and the other thing doesn't? Because I agree with you on that. Because I've been, I've had glasses since I was five, uh, which was a lot of fun. And it, so, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't even, I think I was not even in first grade. I think I was finishing up kindergarten. No, because I went to kindergarten. For, well, whatever. But I was like, you know, first grade maybe when they stuck me in glasses. So I've never really known. I've never really known what it's like. And I used to just sit there, by the way, in class, speaking about school not being the happiest days of your life. I used to sit there and just have this absolute seething hatred uh, of of other kids who had perfect vision. If there were kids who didn't have to wear glasses, I used to sit there and just be filled with the most white hot furious loathing. That's how I felt about kids who didn't have to wear braces. Uh, I can see, and I never had to wear braces. And really, in retrospect, I take glasses over braces anytime. Uh, but but I would just just be so so sort of weirded out by it. But it's, I've always had. You know, I've always been uh, been nearsighted, so if anything got more than a couple feet away, it was fuzzy, and I'm fine with that. But as I have gotten older, I find myself doing this, you know, well, let me read from the Inquirer, and then I realize I'm holding it at arm's length and still, and I'm kind of looking over my glasses, and that is one of those moments, like, did you ever do this? Did you ever answer the phone, and you realize that when you answer the phone, the way you say hello sounds just like one of your parents? 
Uh, and you kind of go, oh, mm-hmm. God, I, uh, wow. You know, and it's a thing that you thought you had somehow avoided, but no. I got so angry at my dog once, and I was yelling at my dog, and I was just unreasonably yelling at my dog because the dog's a dog. You know, the right. dog only knows so much. And I heard myself, and I realized it was the same sort of unreasonable, you know, I can't believe you did this. What were you thinking? You are sort such of, a disappointment. Yeah, you know, that my, my, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm channeling my yes. mother. Yeah. It's horrible. No, my dad had this way of answering the phone. My, he had, he did that thing, just a linguistic tick that just drives me absolutely bonkers. Where people, when there's an H sound, they will put a, they'll put a Y there, and it's usually people who are saying human being, and it just makes me want to knock out all their teeth with a ball peen hammer. And my dad didn't really do that, except when he danced the phone, and it was yellow. And that was like my dad, and it was like mm-hmm. I think he. I don't think he was trying to be kooky. I think he was trying to be sort of informal and like that was until he had this very sort of overly relaxed way of answering the phone. He would answer go to yellow. And I caught myself doing that once about a year ago. And I had this moment of clarity, like this, this turn, this, this moment of this moment of self-recognition where I said, <laughs> you're stopping this now. Don't ever do that again. That's a thing that has to be nipped at the butt. All right, uh, let's get these and then we'll begin uh, today's uh, news segment. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. Hello. Sarah. Hi. Hey. Hello. I was calling to let Richie know that there is a product out there called Spanex. It is called, it's called what? Spanex. Not Spanex. No, S-P-A-N and then X. Spanex. It could be Spanx, right. And uh, it's like a girdle, but he can get it all the way from his toes to his neck if he's got that much to squish in. But, I mean, it doesn't, what does it squish? I mean, is it just sort of like brings in your... um... Is it Spanx? Yeah, like it, it the excess it all in and sort of smooths it all out. So it's not like wearing a girdle where part of it's hanging out over the top or hanging underneath the bottom. Well, see, in Richie's case, though, it might give him a fuller bust line if he were just to sort of crank everything in his waist uh, up six or eight notches. But, the, but my, I think the thing with Richie, and I don't really know because I haven't really seen Richie in either of these dresses, I believe Richie's issue is his hips. And no, no fabric is going to make your hips smaller. That just doesn't work. So uh, I think this is sort of, it's sort of like putting on really tight bicycle pants. All right. So, uh, Richie, uh, the product is called Spanx. Just to insert, you know, whatever crude comment here. So, I just recently right. bought a pair of uh, Spanx uh, tights because I needed some black tights, and I had heard good things about them. They're ridiculously expensive, but they are insanely comfortable. Well, you know what? You can't put a price on beauty, Don. Uh, no. And, and, but they, are, they, have, they make all of these different products, like like uh, little the, the pants. The, they're kind of like girdles, but they're just like really thick. They're like seamless girdles. Yeah. I, have, I have a pair of Spanx, too. And, it's yeah. totally and like, they're like really thick, really, really thick, really stretchy underwear that's not as nasty as a girdle. And they have short ones. They have ones that go like mid-thigh. They have ones that go all the way down to the knee. They have yeah, they have ones that go up to like your neck. They can just have They have camisoles. It's like a tank top that just kind of squishes everything in above the waist. They have an entire line of these things. I'm just picturing you in like it's like a black neoprene suit, like a wetsuit that you're sort of... <laughs> well, it's not easy to get into. Don't get me wrong. Putting those, those tights on was not easy. But but they, once on, they're, and it's also very breathable cotton, very comfortable. There's a whole world uh, to which I was not privy. All right. Uh, thank you, miss. I had one more thing. Yes. For Sarah, Sarah, if you ever get down to Mexico between Rosarita and Ensenada, the Fox Studios there has a permanent Titanic display. <gasps> How cool! Well, thank you for the info. Is that stuff from like the actual from the is that from the the shoot or from the actual ship? From the actual movie. Oh yeah, because that's the where shoot. they because that's where they filmed they filmed it. That's uh, where they filmed it. Yeah. Yeah, because there was a whole thing that had they had to digitally add uh, their you know whenever they would you know your breath when it's cold outside mm-hmm. and there's the 
not steam, but you know what I mean. They had to add all that because the water was actually very warm and mm-hmm. whatever. So yes, it was a very it was a very cool display though. Excellent. All right, thank you. Quite welcome. Right. Bye bye. Bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey Rick. Hey. Hey. I was scanning through my channels this weekend, and I came across a TV show that's called How's Your News? And I want to know if you've seen this. No, I have not. It's on MTV, and the reporters are in their early 20s, and they are God's special children. And they're interviewing red carpet people at the Grammys. Oh, please they're, tell me that the, the, please tell me that this is online. Uh, so this is. I'm, I'll guarantee it is. is Bobby this, is my favorite reporter. Now, what's it called again? How's your news? How's your news? Is this? Uh, when was this on? Was this on Sunday morning? Let's say really early. There was one Sunday. It was on a couple of times in the last two or three days, but Sunday was the first day I seen it. But was it was it early in the morning? Um, I seen it in the afternoon. Because, there could have been one in the morning. See, the thing about it is, a lot of times you can do, like Saturday morning, Sunday morning television uh, stations. You know, they have news programming. Sometimes they will, you know, they'll think, well, news programming that's that's like a more serious fair, so we'll put that earlier oh. in the day, as opposed to strictly entertainment programming. So I'm wondering if MTV this is trying has to get. got to be entertainment. <laughs> Well, I mean, of course. How could it not be? Uh, but if this is on, if this is on later in the day, clearly this is something that MTV just decided uh, people want to watch, and they're correct because now I have to put it on my TiVo must-see list. How's yes, your you news? Do. So it's news. So what? How old are these special children? The, they're in their probably early twenties, and they've got a bus and are traveling around, going different places, and interviewing lots of different people. And, they, and the one I seen, there was John Stamos, Schwarzenegger, Kimmel, Sarah Silverman. Um, all kinds. I, you know, the, you had me at Stamos, by the way. I mean, I'll watch anything with John Stamos anywhere, they picked anytime. They him up on the road. They picked him up on their boss hitchhiking. Did he demand to play drums behind them while they sing a song? That seems to be his deal. No, but he, no, but he told one of the reporters, um, you have a girlfriend? No. He says, we'll go out together and I'll be your wingman. Right. Nice. I, really, oh, clearly is, I have to is, go home and block out whole hours of my weekend now for this program. I'm right. telling you, Bobby interviews people. All right, thank you. Thank you. Bye now. I like at the end, it had to be the artist rendering of what one of the interviews <laughs> might have sounded like. And now a recreation of that interview. Uh, one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Excuse me. Hi, Rick. Hey. Sarah and uh, who's in there? Don. Don. Hello. Hello. I did call about the glasses. Um, Okay, I'm not an optometrist, but I've been wearing glasses since, like, age three. I've, you know, spent a lot of time at the optometry office. Anyways, the thing is, with reading glasses, you just you buy the ones at the Walmart or the, the Walgreens or whatever from the little spinny thing. Find ones that you can read with, and those are the ones for you. They don't damage your eyes. You know, after going to the optometrist and... You know, getting bifocals prescribed, and I couldn't deal with those. But isn't the thing like you're, if you're getting sort of the, these glasses are kind of like a one-size-fits-most sort of a thing that you – like your eyes have to work harder. I would think your eyes have to strain. In other words, no, unless no, no, the prescription's like dead on, your eyes have to strain to, to make up the rest of the ground. No, no, this is just strictly for the reading glasses. Mm. I and, never... and, and all they are, like you said, are magnifying glasses. They just – Magnify the print so you can see it. Here's my thing, and I don't, I don't mean to, to sound as though I'm being overly confrontational about this, but no. here's the reason I instinctively disbelieve this. And again, I don't mean any offense by that, only because when people say, "Well, no, no, no," I mean these are uh, these are not all. These are just for reading. Uh, you know, these are reading glasses. Really, the, your eye doesn't know whether it's reading or whether it's looking at a tree. I mean, well, it, no, 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 not not just reading, but for uh, close work, looking at things 
that are you know within. Up so you're saying up close, as a, so they're not reading glasses or such, but up close viewing. Exactly. All right. That was always a weird distinction. Like, it made I me know, wonder, like, well, if your brain knew when it was reading and when it was just no, sort of staring at Britney Spears. Looking at things up close. All right. The magnificent. And I swear, that's what my optometrist made me go do. I, I didn't believe him when he told me. I was like, wait a minute. You mean you're sending me to Walgreens to get these glasses for $5? It's like if your dentist just says, uh, "What I want you to do is, I want you to go to the, uh, I want you to go to the ball peen hammer aisle and get yourself a caulking gun as well at the Home Depot. <laughs> then come back and I'm going to give you a one-page pamphlet. All right. But that's that, that's what they do. All right. Thank Again, you, sir. Just for the close work. Thank you. Rick. All right. There you go. By the way, I'm at TiVo.com right now. I'm looking at How's Your News. Uh, that airs today at 3:30, I believe. So I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be studying that today. Really? Is it wonderful? Oh wow! Here's a still photo. <laughs> oh, I feel I feel like a bad person just looking at, just looking at this one screen capture. I feel bad. Okay, are you? Uh, do you have uh, audio from this, Sarah? I do. But... Do you feel bad playing it? Kind of. Here, but I mean, look. I mean, they have a TV show. <laughs> They're on MTV, and we're not. So it's produced by Matt Stone. I see, seriously? Yes. I mean, that makes me feel okay about it. I mean, really, right there. Have you Matt Stone it's of South Park by, fame? by Trey Parker and Matt Stone. There you go. See, I no longer feel okay, bad. That's amazing. Yeah, I found a one-minute clip. Let me All just right. let it buffer for a second. All right, well, let's take a break. We'll play it on the other side. Okay. So okay. we'll come back uh, with a clip of How's Your News, a information and interview program hosted by God's Most Special uh, Creations on MTV, produced by the guy from South Park. Also, Don Taylor is here. Hey. All right. Back after this with news later on, we'll do Happy Valentine's Day or not. Katie Darrell from TMZ and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hi. This is Sean Michael Costello again from Texas. Texas is a wonderful place to go home. It's a good place to have cowboys, boots, guns, and hats. I already put there. Have lakes, oceans, like go swimming, go to cities, or megarounds. Buy anything you want. It's fun to ride a real horse. Play basketball and watch your favorite movies. Water coaster, go way down and up. Now that is Texas talking about. Person, Walker, Texas Ranger. Thank you. Sign off. How's the news? Good night. So many thoughts fighting for dominance in my brain right now. First of all, so that was that was Sean Costello, and he's one of the anchors on How's Your News, which is a, a news program on MTV hosted by God's most special children. Uh, is Sean? Does Sean sound? Uh, what is? What is? He's like I. I, but I was going to say Sean sounds a lot like Todd Tulsa's uh, Todd Tulsa's like Japanese warlord 
guy yesterday. But sort of like if you hit him in the head uh, a few times, I mean, that's kind of, you know what I mean? Todd yeah. Tulsa's yesterday, he was doing that. I mean, I, I can't do the, but the, the, Todd Tulsa's, you know, he's a video game actor and a voice actor. And he was demonstrating yesterday this accent that he had devised for this Japanese mafia game where he's like a Yakuza, uh, you know, chieftain or something. And he's doing it like, oh, I will have you taken out. You and the whole family will be dropped at the bottom of river. And so the, this Sean guy from How's Your News mm -hmm. just now sounded a lot like Todd's warlord. But like maybe if he was really drunk and hadn't slept all that well and also had been kicked in the forehead while shooing a pony. So, all right, well, there you go. You'll be happy to know, by the way, that I've gone to tvm.com, and I have now set the next three episodes of How's Your News to record, even if that's something. And on t when you go to tvo.com, it does this great thing where it gives you the option. It says, should I record this program only if there's no conflicts, or should I, you know, should I record this program even if I must cancel everything else? I have chosen the latter option. So now anything that was previously set to record will be shunted aside in favor of How's Your News. All right, well... There you go. And he was, it almost sounded like he was doing kind of a Shatner thing at the end. It was sort of like a, and in Texas. Well, he's, he's, doing, a, he's, he's, uh, he's doing a professional, uh, kind of an NPR-esque uh, correspondence. It's exactly, cadence. It's exactly like that. It's uh, <laughs> just like the Splendid Table, but like a developmentally dis, you know, delayed uh, type of that. And by the way... And that, that would be my favorite show, if that existed. <laughs> a Down Syndrome Splendid Table? Yes. Today we talk about cheese. I like cheese. And then... Apples! <laughs> you are a bad person. I'm sorry. And did that kid say at one point that he liked guns? Did I lose... Was I hallucinating that? Texas is great for guns. I mean, who can disagree? I like the part where he was like, and Texas... Walker, Texas Ranger. But that was the thing where he was... I did just find a video of him interviewing Trey Parker and Matt Stone, by the way. So I'm, I'm letting it buffer and I'm going to see. See, but to me, that's almost... The, the, when I heard the Stamos thing, that was good. And then the other, the other thing that made it sound like, a, like an unmissable show was when they said they were going to be interviewing Sarah Silverman. You know what I mean? I, there's just, uh, I dislike her so intensely uh, that anything that would make her feel even the slightest bit uncomfortable is fine by me. So, all right. Well, anyway, I'll be watching that tonight and uh, giving you a full report tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, let's do some news, shall we? And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Police say that an Ohio teenager tried to pull off a sweet deal by ordering more than $37,000 of candy online and charging the bill to his former high school. No, no. Police say the 18-year-old used a Middletown High School purchasing number to place orders for thousands of lollipops and candy bars from Michigan-based The Goodies Factory. <laughs> lollipops and candy bars, by the way. And he's 18. <laughs> but doesn't that sound like one of those things that we would say sort of jokingly? like oh, gumdrops. <laughs> she's made out of, yeah, she's made out of sweet tarts and happiness. Uh, uh, it wasn't clear how he accessed uh, the purchasing number for the uh, the school. The candy company became suspicious. Gee, you want $37,000 worth of lollipops? Hmm. Nothing else, just lollipops. Contacted the school and was told by detectives to send an empty box. By the way, the goodies factory, uh, that sounds like a place where a pedophile would attempt to take you in a very special episode of some 80s sitcom. Yeah, if you see that spray painted on the side of a van, sure. stay far away. <laughs> Where Gordon Jump is trying to wrestle you into the back and duct tape your mouth shut. All right, no, no, okay, we're gonna we're having a quick trip to the goodies factory, and then I gotta then I gotta run to Mexico.
Uh, police say that he had he had the order shipped to his home, uh, got the empty box, and was arrested after the fake delivery. He faces two counts of felony telecommunications fraud and was being held in Middletown City Jail on more than $30,000 bond. One count of being a jackass. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Sir or madam, as the case may be. Hello. Hello, hi. Uh, I was uh, listening earlier, and when you brought Don in, you were playing Tank from Cowboy Bebop. Yes, we were, sir. And I uh, was checking to see if you were a fan. Uh, Dawn is very much a fan and requested that that be her theme song and the Rick Emerson Show lives to serve. Yes. Fantastic choice. Are you aware of the live-action movie that's being made? Yes, with Keanu Reeves. Oh, I was going to say, and speaking of God's special children. <laughs> There's a different category. God's special actors. Here's the, here's the thing. is like that kid we were just playing. It's like, the Texas guns. He emotes like so much more than Keanu Reeves has ever emoted in anything. Keanu Reeves has... Keanu Reeves is, I would say, I used to say that David Duchovny was our most wooden actor, but I think Keanu Reeves has really, he has once again risen to the challenge and he's taken back that title. So there's just no, it is very telling that the only roles in which Keanu Reeves has really excelled are those that require him to be sort of stunned or surprised or uncertain, which means he can just kind of sit there and go like, but you, whoa, and then he just kind of hangs there like slack-jawed, you know what I mean? Yeah, Spike's got that laid-back attitude, but I, I just don't ever see him going, whoa. Yeah, I just, I, it, it, seems like such a, it seems like such a bad idea to make a live-action version of almost any cartoon series ever. I remember way back in, whenever it is the Beavis and Butthead Do America came out, which is like 95, 96, there had been this horrible uh, idea floating around that they were going to make a live-action Beavis and Butthead thing, but not like as a gag, like as an actual straight-ahead depiction of Beavis and Butthead, and thankfully somebody came to their senses and just realized that that would have been the worst thing ever committed to film. So, Also on Cowboy Bebop, one of the characters is a super genius Corgi, which in an anime thing is absolutely cool. Right. You know, Ein, the super genius data dog Corgi. In a live-action movie, it's just going to be an adorable dog who's well, doing ridiculously smart things. In a live-action movie, it's just going to be like watching uh, Breck and Meyer as John and Garfield. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's, there's, there's no call for that. So, all right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, over. Thank you, my friend. All right, there you go. Uh, the, by the way, the only exception to this, uh, there's two exceptions I would, I would make for the, uh, the animated uh, series into live-action film. One is uh, the Japanese uh, series Star Blazers, which really is like way overdue to be made into something. And Sci-Fi is going to be looking for something to fill that uh, Battlestar void. So I'm just saying right now, the adventures of the space cruiser Yamato. I mean, it's, uh, it's worth considering. Secondly, uh, the boondocks. I would absolutely and unreservedly accept the boondocks as yeah. a live action, but only if they make it, man, only if they make the writing. Like, boondocks, which I think is gone, isn't it? Is it yeah. done? Yeah, it's just gone. You can buy the whole series? Well, because it was crap. I mean, it's, it, I'll say this. I loved the boondocks comic strip, and I loved the look of the cartoon. It's just that the writing was so toothless. It yeah, was just it didn't, it, it didn't reflect the sardonic nature of the strip at no, all. And the strip was just mean. I mean, the strip yeah. was just very bleak and sharp and pointed, and it just had it just had none of that. So, uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello there. Uh, is this you? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, I say you existentially. Should, you should uh, find out if any of uh, the Hauser News kids have uh, been laid off and can come do the news. Excellent idea. Writing that down right now. I, my gut sense, by the way, is no, because th how'd you like to be the poor bastard that has to do that? You know, you come to work, so uh, what are my tasks for today? You have to lay off uh, developmentally delayed children. Uh, here you go. Here's a stack of forms. We'll see you at lunch. I mean, that's a that's a thing where there's just no amount of... that. That's where you're making your bathtub gin with the hope that it makes you blind. So. Apples! Thank you.
Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. someone made a new catchphrase. Hey, Rick, how's it going? Hey, what's up? Hey, uh, unbeknownst to yourself, you might have already known this. You've probably heard this on the Don and Mike show. They use a lot of uh, clips from him. But speaking of the splendid table and God's special children, there is a public service access show with uh, Chef Merrill. It's, yeah, uh, I forget his full name. Uh, we got a clip of that guy. And he is he is one of God's special uh, special creations who does a cooking show, and yeah. we you know as with everything we thought we were the first people to find it. And found that Don and Mike have been playing it, it like forever. But that is that's some fantastic television. What that is? It's hilarious. I just wanted to pass. I knew people were asked you about that when I first started listening to you, but Don and said that would be like the greatest thing. So I thought I'd bring it up again. I'm not sure if they play it again because some of that stuff. Like I'm a big Don and Mike fan, and you know I'm a big fan of the Michael Mara show now that Don is retired. Some of those things that they were doing when it was the Don and Mike show they've carried over, but other things they haven't. And I think. I think that some of the Merrill stuff they haven't revisited because they felt like it was too linked to that to that era of the show. But I don't have to go dig it up now. Now you see, now it's free. You know, it's like a jump ball. Now I can totally take it as my own. Uh, so I have one more question. Yes, sir. What voice am I? Uh, you are voice number two, sir. All right. Thank you. Best show ever. Thank you. All right. I wish I could take credit for the apples thing, by the way, but actually that comes from a Patton Walls, Oswalt uh, joke. Really? Yeah, he, he did a Ow. bit about. Did uh, you just your head on your The mouth? best thing is you were just talking. You were just like doing a joke about about delayed children, and I whacked my head into the microphone as you were doing it. Ah, uh, good. Uh, no, Pat Oswald did a bit about um, what if uh, there are retarded gay people, because you figure if like ten percent or more of the population is gay, then there right. must be gay retarded people. By definition. And then he said, "Well, and and can you imagine what kind of a pride parade that would be? Yeah. We're here. We're queer." Apples! That's fantastic. So, so now apples has sort of become one of those things that I say. By the way, and uh, we have now found our end of show cut uh, for today, so just uh, FYI. Patton Oswalt is great. He is one of those guys that, uh, as corny as it sounds, really restored my faith in stand-up comedy. Because I just, I just. No, we totally like declined to have him in studio as a guest because we didn't really know a lot about him. Which I still feel good about because at the time I didn't know mm-hmm. who he was, and he'd done Ratatouille, which yeah. I, which I hadn't seen. And we were like, you want Patton Oswalt? I'm like, you know, no, because I don't want to be... And then after Rick realized who he was, and he was coming back through town, I asked him if he wanted to be on the show and he told me to F off. Yeah. No, that, yeah, so then later I was like, I was like, he's a genius, we should get him back. And he's like, F you, you know, too good to have me on your program, Mr. Talkie Man. But uh, my friend Nate Baker gave me the hard sell. Nate was like, look, I know you hate comedians. And really with, I mean, you know, with good reason, because most comedians, they just suck. They're awful. And they're just, it's just, it's like hack work. And it's like, if you can't... The thing about the thing about comedians is like stand-up comedy is just one of those things that a lot of people, and it typically is guys, but sometimes not a few women. Stand-up comedy is one of those things that really is much, much harder and takes much. I mean, it's a lot harder than people think. There's a reason I don't do it because I know I wouldn't be any good at it. And it also takes, and it's a real job. That's the other thing is people somehow think that stand-up comedy is like you just get on stage with a microphone and whatever, whatever amusing observations you might have, you just share. And the thing is, like, I got you know, four hours, but, you know, we actually prep for this show. Like, I think you know, even though sometimes it doesn't sound that way, we prepare for this show, but we've also got four hours where we can sort of take time to kind of flesh out things. If you're a stand-up comic, like, you got nine minutes. You got to get up there and, like, make me laugh, chuckles. I mean, you, know, you got to, like, bring the funny immediately. And people just don't take it seriously enough as a profession, and they just do it as a fallback when every other endeavor in the field of entertainment has failed. It's like when you can't do anything else. Yeah, I tried to be on the radio. That didn't work. Uh, tried to be an actor. That didn't work. 
Uh, trying to write me, trying to write me one of them uh, books. That didn't work either. I know I'll be standing because my mother always told me that I was hilarious. So I will go now to an open mic night at the Chuckle Hutch, and I will uh, regale everybody with my uh, amusing uh, and ironic anecdotes regarding the nature of food served on airliners. I I did stand up uh, for a very brief period and learned very very quickly that it was not for me no was, i mean uh, it's because also my thing was i uh grew up and spent up i i've lived in los angeles until uh i was 30 and um so i was trying to break into comedy in la and the thing is that when you're going to someplace like the improv or the comedy store in los angeles the the new guys who are trying to get on at like one in the morning mm-hmm. are people who have already spent years I, in Nebraska and Ohio and Colorado and wherever and and are like the best guy there yeah. and have now moved to LA to be to start from the bottom there right and so it was just and then the the lifestyle you uh, read or you hear about like uh, Seinfeld and Jay Leno and and what they went through it's like yeah there's a lot of Spending several years just like jumping into your car, you know, driving 50 miles to the next town, right. making like 20 bucks and staying in some flop house apartment overnight, using that 20 bucks to put gas in your car so you could drive to the next place and doing that like week after week after week. There's a great book. Uh, after Sam Kennison died, his brother Bill, there's a book called Brother Sam, which is uh, out of print now, but which is really worth a read if you can find it. And it's Bill Kennison's story of, of you know, the, 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 what is it, the, uh, the, short, the short and spectacular life of Sam Kennison or whatever. But he talked a lot about when Sam, because Sam got into the comedy game pretty late, you know, relatively speaking. I mean, I don't think he, I don't think he gave it a try until he was in his in his late twenties, and he had, uh, you know, he'd left the ministry because the ministry wasn't for him. And finally, he was like, you know, like he's like, I, I got like it's now or never. Like I gotta, I gotta make make you know make my play. And he went out to L.A. and he would, you know, he would tell these stories about, uh, you know, it's all the stuff you hear, but I mean that you don't really. The stuff you hear, but you don't really think about famous people having to go through where he's going like three days and he's not eating. And he's walking like the nine miles to the comedy store to hope that maybe they will give him three minutes, uh, you know, when the club is getting ready to close up. That's if the other 50 guys who have shown up looking for the same three minutes don't get it first. Uh, you know, and, and all of this. And then his whole thing was like, you know, it's just it's hell and it and it's it's hell every day and it's hell for weeks and it's hell for years. But then you get this three minutes on a Tuesday, and you make that three minutes worth all the hell that you had to eat to get to that place. And I think the problem with comedy is that, like, in the 80s, there was just this explosion where every single person, because of, like, all these comedy shows on TV, and there's the comedy variety acts, and there's comedy clubs springing up everywhere, and every comic who had more than nine minutes of material was given, like, a development deal in a sitcom. And the problem is that there was no place to go for comics to be bad. Because I think like anything in the entertainment industry, like you have to suck for a long time before you start to become good. And like that being bad should take place in a tiny little town where no one is exposed to your terrible wit and, you know, and your awful embryonic uh, sense of whatever. It should be bad at the comedy night at the pizza place in like, you know... Tigered. Totally. And but and do that for several years until you're like really good in Tigered and then you can like maybe be good at Harvey's and then maybe you go try to be good in, in LA. Exactly but it's like in every town you go to, it's like the bottom rung of a bigger ladder. That's yeah. the thing. You know, the ladder is you know, eventually the ladder is made of diamonds and gold and petunias, uh, but you're still starting at the very bottom rung. And it's like you've got to be the best it's you know, like sports. Unless you're something like at- Bill Hicks and you are just a genius at what you do and absolutely fabulous and then you actually start to make some progress and get cancer. And then God kills you. Yeah. So Nate had sent me down there, and he's like, I know you hate comedians. you got to listen to Pat Oswalt. 
He's like, listen to him. If you don't like him, I'll never bug you about him again. So I had this long car trip, and so I got two Patton Oswalt uh, records and stuck them on my MP3 player, and I took them with me. And it was, I mean, it was genius. It was just jaw-droppingly good. And I said that it was sort of like a, it was like Sam Kinison meets John Stewart, and he has just this finely tuned sense of the absurd. The great thing that Patton Oswalt had, had I'm talking about he's dead. Uh, when I listened to him, that really, really struck me is he has that great sense for why certain combinations of words are funny, and there are things that you can't really explain. Like you can't, like the thing about we're here, we're queer apples. You could say a lot of stuff there. You could say like we're here. You know, we're queer, like oranges, and oranges isn't as funny. Apples is funnier, and for reasons that can't really be explained. You just got to know it. Uh, he also has that great thing about when he talks about the, um, there's a prominent fast food chain uh, that offers a menu item, which is just all the other menu items smashed into a big container. And he says of this prominent fast food chain's uh, now flagship offering, he says, it's like a failure pile in a sadness bowl. And it, that is the kind of, I mean, that's the kind of joke and that's the kind of wordplay that you wouldn't have heard probably 20 years ago. It is a very sort of, it's a weird kind of angular linguistic sensibility that I think only sort of emerges in a very media-saturated culture. So, anyway. There you I, go. I've been a fan of his for a long time. He is, he is, he is brilliant. I well, brilliant. I wish I could say that someday he'd be on the show and you could talk to him, <laughs> but that's clearly never going to happen because he hates me. Here's Don Taylor, ladies I and gentlemen. I was just talking to someone and they... um they know the person who's his agent who books him. Really? So it might not be out of the question. All right. Tell him I, uh, tell him I now celebrate some sections of his catalog. <laughs> okay. Don Taylor, ladies and gentlemen. A reading Pennsylvania man tried to cut off a mechanic's head with a circular saw Monday morning after the men fought about a broken down car. A witness to the attack unplugged the power tool and broke up the fight, which occurred about 1030 at John's Auto Repair. Uh, Chut Van Noyen... 36, was arrested a short time later at his home uh, in the 1000 block of Dallas Road, in case you, you know, want to go there. He was charged with aggravated and simple assault, harassment, and related offenses. How does that, it doesn't seem, there's nothing simple about that assault at all, because the circular saw's got one of those uh, yeah. guard uh, things that come down, and you have, to, uh, you have to lift that up before you can cut anything with it. Uh, he, uh, he attacked uh, Jonathan Thang Lam, 37, who owns the business. He was taken to Reading Hospital for his wife, uh, by his wife for cuts to his head. Um, Noyan had entered the business, said his car had broken down. He demanded that Lamb get the vehicle and fix it, but Lamb said he would look at the car if Noyan had it towed to the shop. The two men started to argue, and Noyan picked up a broken piece of concrete and repeatedly struck Lamb on the head, causing his head to bleed. Ugh. He then picked up a circular saw that was plugged in nearby and held it to Lamb's head, neck, and hip while turning it on and off. Wow. I'm going to cut your head off, Noyan said. Uh, apparently, uh, a, a nearby onlooker, who was uh, a customer who was passing through, um, saw what was happening, ran over and unplugged the saw. Uh, then he separated the two men as Noyan continued striking Lamb in the head with a piece of concrete. I, I'm intrigued by the fact that he didn't go right for the severing of the head. He actually held the circular saw to him and clicked it on and off, which is sort of like, mm. it's kind of like a tool time meets the deer hunter sort of a thing. I think there was still some hope uh, on his part that the guy would fix his car. I hope we can reach a rapprochement on this issue. I must cut off head. I, <laughs> I say now as Todd tells us. See, that's all I'll get away with it now. I'll just say that I'm impersonating Todd Tulsis. No, no, no. I, uh, no, that's my impersonation of a white man named Todd Tulsis, which I, as another white man, am allowed to do. So, uh, the, the, the circular saw, though, is that thing, it's like the round, it's, it's the round thing, but it's also got, but it's got that weird guard handle you gotta pull up. And so, the interesting thing about that is, 
let's just say, I mean, logistically, if you were going to cut off a guy's, like, not even his head. I mean, if you were going to, like, let's say, cut off one of his hands, you still have to, I would say, sit on him. And then you've got to be a man of some weight yourself, you know, to sort of pin him down, because I would imagine he'd be struggling quite a bit. Well, they have smaller ones in auto shops that they use to cut out parts of the body, I think, when they're doing auto body repairs, if you've ever seen them. It's the, the saw blades only, like, about, like... Five, but it's still five or round. Six inches across. Yeah, it's still round. But it's more of a handheld device than a than a two-handed thing. You know what I find terrifying is table saws. Table saws just scare the holy bejesus out of me. As well, they should. I mean, because there's just like we had, like everything else, it just goes back to childhood. There was one of those like a big, and they make fine tools, but it's just the scariest sounding company. It's a Black and Decker table saw, and Black and Decker <laughs> is a really sinister sounding company. I, you know, everything they make, it is, you know, it's a quality American firm, and they make uh, they make machinery that lasts and can be had at a reasonable value. But they are terrifying. I mean, if there was, like, the name of a company that, like, if, I mean, Black & Decker does sound very much like one of those security firms in Casino where they're taking you in a basement and they're slamming your testicles inside a safe uh, door, you know, or something while they're asking you, like, where your partner is. Um, but my dad had this Black & Decker table saw, and I just remember the sound it would make. When occasionally, like he'd be he'd be cutting up pieces of wood or whatever, and he'd be just shoving through just some scrap wood, and it would catch like a knot in the wood, and it would make just this squealing sound that it was like yeah. it was emanating just from the the depths of a, of a pig filled hell, and then the wood would would buck, and it would you know because the knot you know you can't cut through the knot very easily, and so the the saw the blade would catch. And it would go ping, and it would shoot the wood across the garage at what seemed very much like the speed of sound, often embedding itself in this sort of insulation. And I would just, and of course, as a kid, and maybe I had a more overactive imagination than most, you just start thinking about all the ways in which something can hurt you. Uh, and it was like the whole little, you know, full color film just unspooled in my mind. And so to this day, they just. They freak me out like nobody's business. Well, didn't everybody have the shop teacher in high school who was missing like the end of a finger or part of his thumb? Who'd go? And this is why you're careful with the table saw. <laughs> and he'd hold his hand we're up and show it to you. Uh, why would they let us all use table saws and we're like, you know, 13? I don't think they do 14. that anymore. They, they, there's no way they can't let you do that. Like, yeah, we were using all kinds of equipment and like yeah. power tools. I was in eighth grade. But and they, they let you do like, uh, like, uh, uh, what is it, like sculpture? We have like a kiln or like a stove mm-hmm. or whatever that is. That's another thing. They, I can't imagine they're letting kids play with a stove in school these days. That just seems like it's going to go sideways almost immediately. We had a big project when I was in the first grade where we went to the airport and then we all had to like build things that were like from the airport. And they gave us like hunks of wood and we had saws and they showed us how to use the saws and we had hammers and nails to nail things together. I'm like, we were seven. There's no way that anyone would allow like seven-year-olds to run around with hammers and nails in school anymore. The parents today are just too cautious. Yeah, that's the thing. You're just not weeding out the soft children these days. I mean, that's the thing. Um, the, and just as a final note here, and then we'll take a break. Uh, let's see. We've got Jim here who has a Don Taylor que- question known, and it says here on the screen. Uh, so there'll be a question known for you, uh, my, Don. My life is an open book. Uh, so my final observation though about this is speaking of woodshop. I don't mean to paint with a broad brush, but we all know this to be true. But the kids who were in wood shop and metal shop, those were kids that probably shouldn't have been allowed near things that could harm other people anyway. Because, I mean, I mean it was like a whole room full of five to ten. I mean, it's, you just knew. I mean, you would just look around. And don't get me wrong. Those are, those are my people. But, I mean, they, but there was always... A, 
There was always a kid there who was like busy making himself like a jailhouse tattoo, uh, you know, like a skull on one of his hands with like an exacto knife, uh, you know, and a broken up bunch of paper mates. Drawing swastikas all over his peachy folder. Yeah, it's like, what are you going to do? I don't know what I'm done with this. I'm going to go turn on that skill saw over there and see what it'll cut through. I wonder if it'll go through these table legs or your eyes. I you remember know? the kids would do that. What will the table saw cut through? Like a will it cut? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like bring like textbooks and stuff. Like someone's done with their math book. Like will it right. cut through the math book? And you're getting school and credit for this. And nobody's paying attention. No, yeah. and that's the other thing because by definition, and again, I it I only say this because the vocational skill center, which is where they packed me off to to do a radio because I couldn't play well with the other children. All of the kids that the rest of the school doesn't want to hear from. You know, it's like when you get pregnant. You know, as a teenage girl, and they're like. You know, well, she's gotten into trouble, and she's going to go live with her aunt in the countryside. And that's because it's like, you know, like out of sight, out of mind. Like, you don't want to know the children are having sex, and so therefore we're going to send her away so she is not a, a bad example to the other kids. At a vocational center, that's where they send all the kids that they don't want to acknowledge the existence of. Because those are kids that the school system isn't helping. And there's this, like, fiction-perpetuated America that the American school system, you know, the public school system is good for every, and that everybody learns, and everyone comes, you know, school is doing, you know, a fine job, and teachers are educating everyone, and that no child is being left behind, when in fact scores of children are being left behind. Scores of children are coming out of the restroom like Jeff Beebe, seeing that the tour bus is now, like, three miles down the road. And so, but the, the, the key is, you know, is just like they just take them all and they stick them on a building on the other side of the town. And it was radio kids. Uh, the radio class was there. The teen parenting class was there. The class for girls who needed to learn how to operate a cash register so they could become checkout clerks, which they had some other fancy name for. The metal shop, the auto shop, and I do believe the bakery was there as well. So there you go. On that note, we will take a break. We'll come back with Don Taylor. Uh, more coming up later on, including Happy Valentine's Day or Not, another breakup story from uh, Richie Bristol. We have... Oh, Katie Darrell from TMZ, not Jim Rupp. Katie Darrell from TMZ will be here later and on. I was well. looking at TMZ. That's more Chris Brown news. Yeah. Really? Mm. Did he bite something else? No. <laughs> no, uh. nothing, nothing new with biting. Um, uh, anyway, uh, let's see what else. Uh, and we have uh, later on part two of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. This email says, Rick, about Woodshop. This is from a teacher, by the way, who I will not identify. Our center of the break. So we had that uh, that guy earlier, Ben, who was a high school student. But he was going to some, like... Uh, He's some... like a running start guy. So what is that exactly? I didn't... I didn't have time running to ask him. kind of... Um... It's not like Head Start. Kind of, or I think you start taking college courses because, like, high, like maybe you're having problems or high school isn't as challenging for you as it should be. So it's like uh, when you're ready to cut to the front of the uh, the smart line? Mm. All right. Because I think... I remember people doing that because they were smart. Well, at least at my school, and then other people going there because they were all knocked up. I'm assuming he wasn't knocked up. Mm-hmm. He's, so, right, but, but wait, why would you do it if you're... Let me, look, how do I put this? I don't know. Look, it doesn't seem like... It doesn't seem like the same um, class can be offered to the kid who's really smart and then the girl who's knocked up. It seems like that's two different levels of person we're talking about there, and you all know it's true. So if you're 16 and keeping your baby, you're not you're not the same as the kid who's taking because he's really smart. Let's just not have any illusions about that right now. Uh, so, uh, but is it a thing? But is that the same as like AP classes? Because there's like advanced placement classes. I don't know. 
All right. Well, that's just, yeah, it's a bunch of regular. High you know, I'm not going to be a teenager. I'm not going to have teenagers. It doesn't matter. Anyway, this teacher says, you're so right about shop classes. I had a class a few years ago called, uh, I'm sorry. He said, I had a shop class a few years ago. I nicknamed them the Salvadoran Death Squad. Uh-huh. This is a public school teacher, by the way. King is at address. He says, another teacher once told me, oh, my God, you have all those kids in class at the same time. How do you do it? The funny thing is, I run into them later in life. They are, for the most part, doing pretty well. By the way, I caught a kid today pounding a chisel into a wood shop table. There you go. The future of America, sir. Our greatest natural resource. Here's Don Taylor. Did someone have a question for me? Oh, yes. Yes, they did. Uh, let's see here. This is... Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hi, Don. Hi. Hey, so last time you were on... Uh, there was a topic of discussion about you have not seen Titanic, and I wanted to find out if, in fact, that that was something that you had. What since the last time you've been on the Rick Emerson show? I did. I did finally see Titanic. We had even oh. uh, discussed earlier that we might t- talk about that today if we had the time. So this Why is not oh, really? Okay. So, so a couple weeks ago, we were talking about something or other, and I forget exactly how Titanic came up, but you said that you had never seen it, and it wasn't like you were trying to be contrary in a sudden like you're not you not some sort of knee jerk like everyone likes it therefore i must hate it you just hadn't seen it no it, it was it was i was being a knee jerk uh, contrary well but only in terms of in other words you didn't think it was a bad film you were just refusing to watch it i was it. just refusing to watch it and so now you have watched it because sarah and i told you that we would shun you uh, right. for the rest of your life if you didn't uh and you watched that and repo the genetic opera both i did all right I did. uh so uh what is the uh, what is the word don taylor well with titanic i have to admit i was i was pleasantly surprised I I found I was really pleasantly surprised actually. I it's so much smarter than I thought it was going to it's be. It's a James Cameron film. It is. It's like it's like a cross between some kind of like fabulous romance movie and uh some kind of uh merchant ivory costume epic and Terminator. All all in all in one fabulous movie. And I love how uh the last full hour of the movie is just the action stuff of right. them trying to get off the show. Oh, it's crazy. And it's, and it's wonderfully filmed and wonderfully photographed. But I have a very low tolerance for romantic movies mm-hmm. because I usually make the crap. Yeah. And I just thought, honestly, the the it, it's elevated because they're both such terrific actors. But also, as far as just the, the whole love story aspect of it, it's really well written. And it's really a whole smart. bunch of things that shouldn't work that do yeah. because Cameron is such a gifted filmmaker. Because, you know, you and I were talking about The Wrestler and how... Uh, have you seen The Wrestler yet? No, I have not. You ought to see it. It's, a, it's, it's not like a masterpiece, but it's no, a but great you film. Said, I think in my mind you said something about it being like Requiem for a Dream. Well, it's from the same director. It's not on that level. It's not nearly at that level. I don't know. I'm just so scarred from Requiem for a Dream. I kind of <laughs> want to stay away. This is, no, this is, yeah. this is much, much. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a fairly, it's a fairly bleak film, but it's not anywhere near the epic. See, I think bleak films affect me more than they do you. Like, they stick with me. Well... Well, fair enough. Then this is maybe not the movie. Yeah, for you. exactly. Because nothing ends well. I mean, I'm just I'm not giving anything away. Everybody knows that. I mean, the, the wrestler is just it is an exercise in grimness. But um, what was I saying? Oh, but but the wrestler. So the you know the thing about that movie is there's so much there that just seems cliched. But Aronofsky does somehow pull it off. He makes it work. Him and that guy who wrote it, and the guy who wrote it writes for the Onion, which is like the weirdest thing. But um. You know, but it's like the estranged daughter and then uh, the romance with a stripper who has not a heart of gold, but who is there's more to the stripper than, than you would think. And the aging blank who's, you know, going for one last blank, you know, because he's Having to work blank. at the terrible job that he doesn't want to work at right. because he's still got to make money. But then he's got to decide, then he walks out on the job because he's just going to 
give it one last shot. At, you know. And, you know, sitting around drinking, thinking about the glory days. I mean, it's all stuff you've seen a billion times, and it could very easily just feel like a retread, and it doesn't. I mean, there's, there's certain things about the film I didn't, I didn't feel really function, but I, but overall, I mean, it's a very strong, I give it like a, like a seven and a half or an eight out of ten, and it's, and again, that's a movie made out of what seemed to just be recycled parts. See also Titanic. I mean, really, the whole, like, you know, like the, the girl who's dating the guy from the wrong side of the tracks and the mother doesn't approve and she's promised to a rich guy who clearly is a jerk is not, like, breaking new ground or anything. But it, but it doesn't really matter. There's only, like, nine stories in the world anyway. And Cameron is just such a master that the biggest single compliment I can give to Titanic uh, is this, is that I was... And this may, sounds a little daft. Like here, discussing this now in 2009, like in the middle of the day, this sounds stupid. But everybody who knows that movie uh, and who appreciates it will understand what I mean when I say this. The biggest compliment I can give Titanic is that I forgot they were going to hit an iceberg. And when it happened, I was sort of like, oh, God. And it That's just. so true. And I just was. And I, and I was actually. I mean, and it was, you know, uh, it was. It, there's no other way. It was kind of heartbreaking. Because the iceberg hits, hits you know, the ship, and you're because you would, you, he pulls you so into the personality and to the love story that when the iceberg hits it, you, you, it's like you've been able to shove it out of your mind, and then he does this great cruel thing of like then the reality sort of going <clears throat> and like falling out of the sky and crushing your, crushing the beautiful thing he's created in front of you. So anyway. one of the things I loved about Titanic though is that, um, is the way that Cameron actually subverts a number of. The cliches. Uh, it's one of the things I've always loved about Joss Whedon when he's at the top of his game is yeah. that he will set you up with what is a very trite cliche, right. and then do something completely he turns different. It on with, his head. You know, you know, yeah, Angel actually drives his car through the gates, but it smashes up his car instead. Um, or you know, Nathan Fillion just throws the guy in into the jet engine. Ha ha! And uh, in Titanic, it's like there's the uh, entire the scene where. He gets all dressed up by uh, Kathy Bates in the uh, in the in the tie and right. the, the evening wear, right. and he's going to go to the captain's table and have dinner with the swells. And in every other movie, that would be him being humiliated by what a hick he is, and then the girl pitying him and right. being angry at all of her people because they don't see the beauty in him. Right. But the thing is. What's great about that scene, he pulls it off. Totally. He shows that he is their equal in absolutely every way. Right. And then she admires him because, you know, he actually has social skills. It's not, she doesn't love him out of pity. Well, and he's not, it's not like he's some dumb rube, uh, you know, where he's like this, you know, it's a kind of that, that noble savage thing where she, you know, she's like, I see the beauty within. It's like there is, you know, he, yeah. Cameron's just too smart to do that. So, well, I'm, and Billy Zane, uh, Billy Zane. I also the other subverted uh, cliche I liked. Billy Zane, just complete unrelenting, just jerk. Yeah. And then he has his moment where it's like, okay, we will stay on the ship, and you take the lifeboat, and you save yourself, and you go. That's nice. You know, Billy Zane had right. that moment where he became a good mm -hmm. guy there at the end. And then she jumps off the lifeboat because she wants to be with That's the man. Right. And Billy Zane is like, damn you, Leo DiCaprio. Okay, that's it. I'm just gonna get a gun and shoot you. Yeah. And I was like, I love that. No, I just it, love that. That he, but because Cameron, like Joss, Whedon, Joss Whedon. Uh, this is one of those things where I feel like there almost ought to be like a nerd alarm that goes off in the studio, like a goga, and like a big red flashing light. When you mentioned James Cameron and Joss Whedon in the same sentence. Because well, because <laughs> I think it, here's the thing: we're that unholy nexus where all three of us can weigh in on this to some degree. Mm. You know, is Sarah's on the Titanic thing, and then you and I are on the Whedon thing, so, and whatever. I'm so so glad that you liked it. Well, Don's got taste. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, here's the thing: is like I, I, I know that you, if you, I knew that you would give us an honest assessment of it, regardless. If you liked it, you didn't like it, you would give us an honest take on on the film. Whedon has that whole thing. He says, where he goes, well, I don't really give the audience what they want. He goes, I give them what they need. And to Whedon, again, that becomes the whole thing of like, look at this pretty thing. Let me kill it in front of you, you know. And, and which after a while gets to be a little. A little taxing, and Cameron is is a little smoother about that. Here's the other great thing about Cameron. Um, True Lies, of course, being the sole exception of this. The great thing about Cameron is how he convincingly creates these really strong, ass-kicking female characters, uh, and it, but not in a way that feels corny, because that's that's another thing that it's so easy to do and it makes you cringe. Where she's like, you know, she's like. It's like goddamn Transformers, uh, you know, where it's like, oh, she's a hot girl, but she's fixing a car, which makes her hotter. And then later on, there's the, um, what is it? There's like the, like the, you know, the, the, like the genius, the genius computer hacker girl, uh, you know, and it's like she's hot and she hacks. And then, but of course, then they do the really obvious. There's only one hacker on earth who's smart enough to break this code. And then they cut to, is that Anthony Anderson? Yes. And he's all like at home playing Xbox and he's fighting over like, give me my lucky charms. You know, and, and you're just like, really? And by the way, his character has absolutely no effect on the plot of that movie in any no. way whatsoever. No, he, no. It, Why is he even there? But it's just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so easy to take like those strong female characters and for them just to be like a cliche, you know? But Cameron, man, there's just something. I was watching T2 just the other, about two weeks ago, I was watching Terminator 2. It was on TV and I was watching it. And I got to tell you, a couple small things notwithstanding, and they're actually they're mostly music cues, Terminator 2 is still so unbelievably freaking good. I mean, it, from my, from, it, from me anyway, I'm saying for my dollar, that holds up front to back. And that sequence where Sarah Connor, it's a horrible thing where she's laying in bed and the orderly comes to check on her and he licks the side of her face. Because you think he's going to kiss her or grope her, and of course Cameron again defies it's something different but much worse. And he just does that, like up the side of her face, and you find out later she's awake through the whole thing. And she spits out the paper clip, and she undoes the lock, and she gets out. And there's that shot where the camera is like tracking with her, and she's like in her stocking feet, and she's not like dressed scantily. She's got like a wife beater and like hospital scrubs on or whatever. And she's just sort of that silent running down the hall, and there's that bl- blue light coming through. And it is just such a power shot where it's like he, Cameron, knows how to make somebody look like a badass. Uh, and then she just brains, she just beats the holy S out of that guy. She catches the big, the fat licking bastard <laughs> around the corner, and she just, she just beats the holy F out of him. And it's so unbelievably satisfying as an audience member. Well, in Titanic, he had the task of making a strong, you know, kick ass character out of. A woman who is wearing, you know, these Edwardian era and a whalebone corset, the corsets and the thing, and and in most movies of its type, there would have to be some kind of like horrible expository dialogue with like, you know, the the mom and somebody else. I'm like, oh, she's a wild one. Oh yes, she's always had a mind. It's been hard to keep her, de-, you know, that right. sort of thing. And there was a little bit of that. That whole we're we're gonna marry her off to Billy Zane as soon as we can. But not a lot of this, you know. Oh, she's 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 got spirit. That one. What it is is. There's this moment where she's sitting there and she's smoking a cigarette and her mother says something like, you know, you know how I feel about that. Right. And she just looks at her and goes, mm-hmm, and keeps smoking. And that says it all right there. And that's all you really need. I will say, by the way, that in Titanic, I don't know whether they knew this or they care or they're part of it. Whatever. Billy Zane is just unbelievably screamingly gay. Just he could not <laughs> possibly be gayer in that movie. Is he I'm, gay? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's full on gay. Billy yeah. Zane is? Billy Zane is gay. He is, he is much more gay in Tombstone. No, that's true. Well spotted. 
Uh, it's like a Scott Daly two shot there. Titanic like and the prettiest man I ever seen. I mean, I could be. I, I could be. I, I am almost positive that. I mean, not like I'm spilling secrets. I believe that Billy Zane is a, is a gay man. He's not. Is he not? He's a heterosexual. Are you kidding me? He's lying. He was married. I, he may still be for a long time to a woman named Lisa Zane, who is stunningly beautiful. You are making that up. I am not. He's a heterosexual man. At least as far as, either that I or mean, his marriage is a fraud, but he's... Well, uh, I'm not saying this. Well, then, you know what? Then I offer it. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Ha, ha, ha. So then I retracted. If it's not true, I swear to God, I read somewhere that, like, blah, blah, blah. Because it was, I thought it was sort of a deal, because he was, there's not a lot of, you know, he's not really a leading man, but there's could, not a lot of... He could bet for two different teams, too. Well, you, know? you know what? Hey, he is a pretty man he's with pretty turquoise pretty. blue eyes. Well, then never mind. Then maybe he's, maybe they're just layering that into the character. Because I can think it. I watched Titanic, and I just, he seems... Not as gay as in Tombstone, but unbelievably gay when I watched Titanic. And I always, part of me thought that Cameron left that in intentionally or put it there because then it's a whole nother layer of weirdness and repression. And that's the whole thing about people, you know, because like she's being forced into this marriage that's not right for her. And I thought, okay, and Billy Zane, this is so great. Billy Zane's character, because it's 1912, is being forced into this marriage that's not right for him because he is a gay man. But maybe oh. not. Okay, I would take this back. Lisa Zane is actually his sister, which oh. explains why she's good. But it does say uh, Zane married actress Lisa Collins in 1989. The couple divorced in 1995. He was also engaged for a time to Chilean actress Leonor Varela, his co-star in the television movie Cleopatra, where he played Marcus Antonius. In 2001, he met Emma Howard on the set of The Diamond of Jeru. They dated for three years. He was engaged to marry British model turned actress Kelly Brooke, whom he met when starring with her on the movie Survival Island. So he kept uh, getting engaged and then breaking yeah, up. He's and he's dating a lot of women in other countries where we can't find them. I see. Uh, I understand. I've got a girlfriend in Canada. Yeah. Well, Billy Gain, if you're, uh, Billy, Billy Gain, Billy Zane, if you're listening, you would make a spectacular gay man. I'm just saying, like, you know, should you ever? You oh, know. I just saw a picture of him on the beach with uh, Kelly Brook. And oh, he's all flabby. He's flabby and balding. Yeah. And not no, no, no. There's good. a there's a bad man. I saw the worst photo of Paul Stanley. Uh, somebody sent me a photo of Paul Stanley of Kiss, and it was I guess it was taken just at some recent concert. And Paul Stanley, I mean, like I saw him, I saw Kiss. Um, I saw Paul Stanley actually about 18 months ago, two years ago. He's on a solo tour. I mean, for a guy, you know, who's lived a rock star life and whatever, he's, you know, he's in very good shape. Uh, you know, still, you know, still looked good. Still, uh, you know, was very, you know, very fit. Maybe it was like at one of those Inquirer things where they caught him at a weird angle or he was like sneezing or bending over something. But it's like he had, Paul Stanley wears that, he wears that retarded, it, it's like, it's like a full leather bodysuit. But then they cut out just the part from his navel to his neck so you can see all his chest hair. It's like a full leather getup with a huge oval cutout from like his belt to his neck and it clearly is like look at my chest hair you know and that's the thing and it's this photo of him in that and it's like just the rolls that are just uh, i mean just 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 like lava from vesuvius just over the edges sort of like a sort of like a, a adam west kind of in batman where you could occasionally see just the bat flab coming over the uh coming coming over the side because the bat truss wasn't quite holding in the bat Twinkies that he'd had uh, earlier that morning. So, all right. We should take a, a break. Holy God, it's 1.30. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll take a break. Back after this, more from Don Taylor. Coming up later on, Katie Darrell from TMZ. Uh, we will do Happy Valentine's Day or not, another breakup story. Your phone calls, like us at 3. Michael Mara Show at 7. Phil Henry at 11. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show.
Eric Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later... So much stuff happening this week, next week. Uh, Coming up later this week, on Thursday, we will be joined in studio by the one and only Darcel, Portland icon, uh, drag queen extraordinaire, uh, owner, of course, of Darcel's. So Darcel will be joining us in the studio this Thursday because we're doing this Oscar Night America uh, event, which is happening at the Hollywood Theater Sunday, uh, the 22nd of February. I think there's uh, there's a TV ads or something running for it now. So it's going to be uh, Sarah Dillon, Richie Bristol, Tim Riley Yay. will be there, and myself. We're all going to be there. And I guess uh, so Richie and Darcel are going to be doing kind of a Melissa and Joan Rivers uh, Oh, so this thing. is the announcement. You hadn't said it before. Did I not say this? I no. thought I'd, I thought I'd revealed this part. So, well, there you go. So, well, you uh, so And... <laughs> We're done. Uh, but so that's going to be Sunday the 22nd. It is actually the only public screening of the Academy Awards that is sanctioned by the motion uh, in Oregon that is sanctioned by the Motion uh, Picture Academy of Arts and Sciences. So it's kind of a cool deal. And and it's like, you know, tickets. We're going to have some tickets to give away because it's I mean, like 50 bucks a head or something. So it's like an actual. Holy moly. It's like an actual upscale thing that they have foolishly asked us to be part of. Seriously? Uh, yes. What are they thinking? Well, that we're great, Sarah. <laughs> that we spent half an hour talking about camera shots in Titanic, which came out 12 years ago. So, I mean, really, in a weird way, we actually kind of are the right show for this. Uh, so, Sarah Dillon, Tim Riley, Richie Bristol, and myself will all be there uh, Sunday, February 22nd at the Hollywood Theater. You can find out more at filmaction.org. Filmaction.org. Uh, but, so, Darcel is going to be there, and Richie and Darcel are going to be doing the, the red carpet sort of assessment of everyone as they kind of walk oh, in, walk past. Richie needs to figure out what he, what dress he's going to wear, and he brought in a couple today, and he said he'd try them on. Right, so, okay, so that yeah, so that's the thing. So he has these two dresses here. One is like a scarlet, and one is sort of a plum thing. But they're both the same size, and that size, by the way, is too small. So I don't really know how that's going to work. So we'll have Richie come in in a second. We'll talk about this. But Darcel will be in the studio with us on Thursday. And I think Darcel has some sort of very specific... I think we're going to have Darcel give Richie some very... I feel like Richie needs practical, concrete tips on how to become a better drag queen because the, the, the trying to slim down to a size two by just eating bags of sawdust is just not going to work. That's that's not going to have the desired effect. Well, maybe Darcel can have some you know, some insight to like make sure Richie's wearing the right wigs and how to put on some makeup. Can he can uh, what do we call Darcel? Well, I think in character is she. Okay, so is she going to be in character this? Week? I believe so, but I don't, I don't really oh know. Oh my god, uh, really? This is. Awesome. But you know that. But I, but I was unsure with Kevin Cook, and Kevin Cook was actually just as himself. Well, because we were having him to, as an employee for the Portland Monthly. But I believe that Darcel. Uh, I believe that Darcel will be here as Darcel, so she uh, will have some tips for Richie on, on Thursday. And really, for Richie at this point, I'm so excited. I mean, he's got to be like shaving off bits of his bones if he's going to try to get into uh, to one of these uh, dresses. So that is Thursday. Friday, we will be joined in studio by uh, former. Uh, how do I put? Uh, get the terminology correct. Former. Former Portland-based correspondent for NPR, Quetzal Levine, uh, will be uh, in the studio with us in front of. She's, of course, one of the uh, one of the many uh, Portland media folks that's been uh, laid off. So Quetzal Levine, formerly uh, of NPR. We'll be here in the studio, and then the universe will fold in upon itself, and all will become blackness. Uh, next week, somebody uh, coming in next week that I needed to do Probably Lisa well. um, again, right? Lisa. Adams? Who's the girl from the WB, the weather girl? Lisa Hughes. Lisa Hughes. That's going to be at some point. Okay. Somebody else next week. Anyway, this week, Darcel and Ketzel Levine. Richie Bristol, can you uh, join us in the studio, please? You have to play a song. That'll be fantastic. I'm gonna find, uh, I'm going to find a lower volume version of Richie's song, because if I go to the plate, it deafens us. And there we go. Hello, Richie Bristol. How are you? Hello. All right, so I have your dress. Oh, that one? 
What size dress is this? Oh, we look. It is perfect. It's by <laughs> Rampage. Really, Richie. I don't see any size in it. Where did you get these dresses? Isn't that pretty? Where did Where uh, did you buy these? Uh, I mean, is it like a department store? If you don't want to say the actual store. No, for my friend Yeni. It was, is Yenny a woman? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, I don't see a size on this. All right, but I mean, do you have a guess? This is probably like a ten. I don't. Know. Don't look at me. I got nothing. I'm like a sixteen right now. I mean, I, since the last one was in drag, I think I've lost maybe another fifteen. What do you mean you're a sixteen? But I think you're. It goes. Maybe four. Like, maybe I look at twelve. No, because I think maybe about fourteen. Maybe. I think Richie's doing it the opposite. I don't think it gets it, the number's yeah. bigger. You you wouldn't be going up, Richie. Your size would be going down. Yeah, that's what I said. I was an eighteen when I did the Rochelle show. Oh, okay. So now yeah. you would, you're thinking you would be a sixteen. Okay, so no, no, no. Yeah, we decided that we think it's like a fourteen. Because I've lost a couple inches. All right, I don't. Um, Fourteen is going to be tight. I don't think that's going to uh, work. Uh, now, are both well, we of these? We won't know unless we try. Are both of these dresses the same size? Uh, Richie Bristol. Uh yes. Okay, these. So these are both from the same the same girl. Uh-huh. All right. Uh huh. All right. Does she know what you were borrowing these? Does she know you have these? Yeah. You, this isn't like a thing where you like you were creeping in the window at night, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> like like in your stocking feet to rummage through her underthings. Like in a cartoon, uh, snatching women's underthings off of clotheslines in backyards, I mean, scampering I away. You. Are these things she needs back? Yeah. Because you're going to be stretching these out, I would say, pretty what? substantially. That would be my That's guess. That's mean. Dude, I'm not trying to be... It's not mean. Quit being... <laughs> seriously, quit being... Are it, you on a diet? <laughs> Quit, uh, quit being so uh, whatever you're. Uh, quit, but take your hands off your hips, for God's sake. Um, you don't talk about a girl's weight like that, you know. This is the thing. Kevin Cook, who is really, I would say, exuberantly gay, was saying that like you got to man up when it comes to being a drag queen. Yeah, I, I loved the advice they gave you. It's just like he's like, I hate it when I hear queens talking about like my shoulders are too big. It's like, honey, you're a man. Seriously, you got to remember, <laughs> you're not a girl, Richie. Stop referring to yourself as a girl. I didn't. I just you just uh, you just uh, referred to yourself. Have you third told a girl that a girl. she was too big to fit in a dress? And she thinks, Sarah, yeah. you're too big for those jeans. <laughs> you don't say that to her. Okay, but that, I'm not talking to Sarah. I'm talking to you. And the, the, the well, dynamic is different. True. Also, because you're a man, and I mean, and it's like you're just well, Richie. There are differences between side. men and women. I want to see if this will fit you because he's he's saying it's going to fit him. So let's get this sucker on him. I mean, I'm just going to say, look, all things being equal. That uh, never mind. I don't even. Here's the thing: is, like, the the reason we're saying this to you, and it, it has nothing to do with sizes of anybody or relative sizes. It's that it's not about the size. It's that you're wearing a dress that's too small for you. That's the thing. You know what I mean? It had nothing oh. to do with the size. Look, you were a size 50, and you were in a size 50 dress. That you know, that's that's okay. You're size 50, and you're wearing a size 20 dress. That doesn't work. You are wear, trying to wear dresses that are too small. Because you're just going to have these big, like, hips that are going to stick on. It's going to look weird. Um, and then and you know something, will... though, Richie? I think you're absolutely right. Because I'm sitting over here. I am the uh, the token chubby person in the room. And I really can't imagine that Rick would be saying to me at any point, Oh, you're not going to fit into that, honey. Your hips are too big. Yeah. He see? would not say that to me. But, oh. I'm, but I, mean, I mean, it's Richie. I mean, <laughs> seriously. relationships with different and, people. And by the way, and it's not just that, it's that... The reason that I think we can say this to Richie is because Richie is in the studio always asking our thoughts and trying to, you know, and it, he's, this is an ongoing process and he's asking advice. Yeah, I'm not bringing in dresses and being like, Richie, what do you think of this? Seriously. I mean, oh. let's get you in this. But see, you know, the, a reason, mindset you know the reason why Sarah can make fun of the way I look all the time? Because I ask Sarah for advice and she, you know, and she tells me uh, honestly what she thinks. Like, I'm like, hey, what does this, you know, what does it look like? She says, you look terrible. So, all right. So you're going to be changing into that dress? Are you changing in here? Are you changing in here? All right. All right. Are you... 
Stop. All right. Are you wearing... You are a lot thinner, Richie. Are you wearing boxer shorts? Yes. Are you wearing any underwear oh God, at all? look at him. He's all muscly. Oh, I know. No, he's much thinner than he was when I, I first Dude. met him. Dude! No, he looks like the after picture where he's holding out the, the pants, like he's doing the James Coco thing of, like, holding his pants way up from his waist. Although, you, you could use a, a more powerful deodorant. Oh, I... No, no, no. Asians have no body odor, Don. Oh, I forgot to put it on today. All right. Let's do some news. Uh, I think we've got a phone call here for Don Taylor. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, guys. It's Mailman Brian. Hello. How can I help you, sir? Hey, so uh, you guys were talking about uh, shop, uh, metal shop, wood shop, that type of thing. Yes. I wanted to relay a little story. When I was back in 10th grade back in Southern California, I had kind of a lackadaisical shop teacher in wood shop. And he uh, was paying particular attention to a co-ed of mine, and not to the rest of the malcontents that were the that uh, were the rest of the class. Anyways, uh, and I was working on a lathe, which uh, working on some sort of uh, project for the class there. And I had hair like halfway down my back, and working on the lathe. And I thought one of my co my co teacher uh, co students, sorry, it's, I'm too much coffee today, uh, was pulling on my hair. And I looked down, and my hair had actually gotten caught in the power feed of the lathe. And so my head was being pulled into the uh, screw that kind of moves the whole head of the lathe over, and I was being pulled into the machine. This is like a full, uh, full-on like Temple of Doom thing, where you're like that guy getting pulled into the rock-crushing thing. It was, it was incredibly scary. I had enough time to put my hand like between my head, my scalp, and the 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 uh, screw that you know was had my hair wrapped around, and I barely, and I couldn't even like scream or I was like petrified. I had just like half an inch again. Yeah, Temple of Doom is exactly right, Rick. Enough, enough of a reach to hit the off switch on the machine, and I'm standing there going, "Uh, little help." Jesus. And came over, cut my hair, a piece of my hair off, and then, then the next day, all of us long hairs had to wear our uh, hairs in ponytail and tucked into our shirts. Yeah, that's no good. By the way, the points for using the phrase lackadaisical uh, shop teacher at the very beginning, because lackadaisical shop teacher sounds like an SNL sketch, you know, sort of like, you know, like, uh, you know, like rock star real estate guy or, uh, you know, head wound Harry or sexual harassment panda. Well, this, this one particular co-ed student friend of mine, she received a lot of attention from the shop teacher. I, apparently she needed uh, extra help with uh, her whittling skills. <laughs> Okay. Thank you. That's your order. All right. Bye now. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, everybody. It's Penelope. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, so how does Penelope get um, a ticket to the Oscar show? Is Penelope talking about herself in the third person because uh, um, because she heard no. Richie Bristol doing it moments ago? Uh, no, no, not at all. I was wondering how I could get a ticket to the Oscar show. <laughs> Is this just a thing where you're offering to, to have sex with Richie? Uh, I mean, just, no. let's just skip to the bottom of the Wait, page. Yeah. Mr. Penelope might mind a little bit if I were to have sex with Richie. Just a little bit? All right. Uh, I think, probably a lot of it. I think it's a, I think it's a one-word answer that rhymes with bye. Uh, oh, what does that mean? Well, here's the thing. Like, it's, like, the, the, the tickets are, here's the thing. Like, it's not like our, like, it's, I can't be like, just giving things away on behalf of the Hollywood Theater. So the tickets are and say, we're going to be giving some away, but not a whole lot. They've given us a small amount to give away. So, uh, it is a, uh, it's, it's apparently quite a shindig. So, uh, they would uh, not be too pleased if I were just to be handing them out willy nilly. So I would find out the, I would find that more online and see if you can, uh, find yourself one there. Oh, hey, thanks a lot, Rick. All right. Thank you. There you go. Okay, I'm, I've got to say, 
For the record, I was totally wrong, it and that is. dress looks amazing on Richie. It does. It really does. That's not bad. Uh, not no bad problem. at all, Richie. Well done. I think that you should belt it. Are you? Well, the... yeah, that's good. That, that stomach is a bit of a problem. So the... Please don't well, push you your do stomach that? out at me. Oh, God. Please don't do that. It looks like you have a baby. At least you just didn't witness him... Tucking. Um, I'm tucking right now. See? Line up me. Uh, yeah. This is where the Spanx would come in, though, if you wanted to. So to speak. Pull the uh, pull the tummy in just a I got some. Talking about yeah. the clothing. They're like spandex, skin colored. Yeah. I have some. Yeah. Now, I, this fits beautifully, though. This dress looks. It really does. I want to go look in the hallway. Though. I want to see in the light. Well, I would say first, you are going to wear like a like a like a, a truss, though, right? Like around your your gut there. Yep. Right. All right, because I mean that really is. I don't mean the nitpick, but I'm saying if you want to look. I mean, look, if you're going to look good, you got to look good. So that's. I would say that's the only real problem, Mary. But it sounds like you got that t- handled as well. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It's like a midnight blues stretch velvet. It's lovely. Yeah, I've got to say, I was a doubter, and I was completely wrong. I don't. I don't know if the size wasn't on there. I don't know. No, I. I. You know. I was skeptical. Are both these? You said both these dresses are the same size. Uh-huh. So I like the blue. I, I don't even say. I say don't even try. On yeah. The no. Red the red one. one is too. Well, you know what? And like the, the red one is just too much. You, you gotta just, be glamorous. Uh, Rich, you gotta be understated about this. Glamorous. Yeah. Yes. You know. I mean, the, like the fire engine red dress is just. That's a. You know. That's you're 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 above that. You know, that's a thing. That's you're 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 better than that, Richie. I would just go yeah, with this. You know, Darcel's gonna have something like you know crazy and beautiful and flamboyant on. So it's nice for you. You know, to be a little more toned down. I, I would, say. yeah. This is a juxtaposition of the flamboyant and the subtle. So I would, you know, I agree. Well done. This is. It actually looks much better than I thought it would. Uh, what size bosoms would you say Richie has as a woman? Like this. Like small D's. Yeah. There you go. I would say probably. I mean, I don't. You know, I. I'm, what do you think? I, I don't know anything about it. You know. I, I, I have never been able to judge women's breast size at all. I have no clue. It's an extra large T-shirt. Oh well. That clears everything up. All right. Well, there you, you need, go. You need, like, uh, your... the long opera-length gloves. I agree with that assessment. Yes, and some, lots of diamonds. And, and maybe a little, little rhinestone bracelet. Black black opera-length gloves and a little rhinestone bracelet. Some lady speed stick. Now, by the way, for people who are asking uh, about this, we're not going to put a photograph of this up now because, obviously, it's a whole thing. Like, you're doing it for the Oscar night. So, you're uh-huh. just, you know. So, uh, what are your bosoms made out of? These ones? Yeah. Or these are, this is a T-shirt I just... Oh, it's just, you just wadded up a T-shirt. Now, do you have, like... Do they, I mean, is it like falsies or whatever they're called now? I mean, do you, like, what do you? Yeah, Shoshana gave me some pantyhose that they basically tie it on one end so it has nipple. And then, can I say that? Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes, you can say nipple. You can get really elaborate with this. I mean, there are, there are, uh, but do they the sell rubberized silicone oh, yeah. ones that, yeah, that you can actually glue to your chest and they'll. You know, Marilyn Monroe wore those. So, usually you know. your daddy would buy you some of that, I learned. You have to have a daddy. What kind of daddy are we talking about? Like a sugar daddy. They call him the daddy. Ah, okay. They got a daddy, and they cost like a few thousand dollars to get these falsies yeah. that are like silicone. Wait, but what do you mean? So when you say a, a sugar daddy, what do you... I mean, I know what that means like in the real world, but what does that what does that mean well, in the drag world? I learned in the drag world they have a lot of different names for um, different types of personalities in the yes. drag scene. Like a daddy is usually an older fella who has a lot of money. And but has, is he a guy, another drag queen? Sometimes. Or is he just like... A fan. A fan with a lot of money, an older fella who has a young boyfriend. So do you boyfriend. have a daddy? No. Do you want one? I want a mommy. <laughs> I want a couple mommies. <laughs> Why does... Uh, you know, here's the thing. It's like I was saying earlier about Patton Oswalt can take a word that seems really innocuous and make it hilarious. And you do the same thing, but it's not so much hilarious as it is just skin-crawlingly off-putting. Now, if you get an uncle... Can you get, like, some of the same a stuff that you don't uncle. have to put out as much? No, no, no. You can put out more with an uncle, but you can't tell her he'll kill a puppy. Oh, boy. What? 
Because it's a special secret, uh -huh. Sarah, that you don't share with just anyone. Is your uncle Catholic? We should take a break. <laughs> we take a break here. Uh, all right. Don't go, don't go anywhere. We'll return with Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. And whatnot. Later on, we'll have Happy Valentine's Day or not. Another breakup story from the files of Richie Bristol. We'll give away another $75 Pro Flowers uh, gift card. We'll talk to Don Taylor. Find out about Friday the 13th, uh, the reimagining, which had its screening last night. Plus, your phone calls and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Rick Emerson radio program. All right, we have to retract all of our previous comments about Richie not fitting into the dress. Hmm. It no, really does I, work. I haven't seen him with his shirt off since that first time around when we were trying to get him ready for his show. Right. And it is, he looks like a different person. He's muscle. He's like built. He looks oh, like yeah. a fighter. Well, yeah, no, he's, yeah. I mean, it's like that four hours a day. Well, yeah, he's doing. yeah I, I haven't seen him. You know, I don't see Richie without his shirt off. So, I mean, I didn't know that there was such a and also be, because he hasn't modified his wardrobe. I mean, that's the thing. Like, he's still wearing the same. Like, he's still wearing. The, he does what all guys do, which is that when in doubt, you know, what size is this? I don't know. Give me an XL, which is what every guy does. It, 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 you look at my, I mean, my entire T-shirt collection up until, I mean, really, relatively speaking, not that long ago, every T-shirt I had was A, black, and B, an XL. Why? No real reason. Just because I latched onto that as the size I was supposed to wear. And I just, you know, regardless of whether or not it actually fit me at the time. So, um so he's, uh, you know, and plus he's doing a little bit of that, you know, he's kind of managing expectations, like the swinging uh, two bats in the warm-up circle or something. So by wearing the big baggy clothing, then when he takes it off, even more impressive. Well done, Richie Bristol. Uh, so that is coming up uh, Sunday, February 22nd at the Hollywood Theater. And so just to uh, address the question that uh, Penelope asked us, yeah, the, uh, so, I mean, we're there and we're going to be, uh, you know, emceeing and whatever, but it's, uh, the, the event's being put on by the Hollywood Theater and by Film Action. So you uh, take the ticketing issue up with them, my friends. Film Action dot org uh ladies and gentlemen welcome now to the rick emerson show from tmz.com our good friend katie darrell how are you today hi i'm doing well how are you guys i am fantastic by the way i just got a, a little piece of information sent to me let's see where did this go where did this go uh this is from inside radio uh which is a trade publication for the broadcasting industry clear channel uh chr which is like a top 40 clear channel chr kiss 96.5 waks in cleveland says it will not be playing any Chris Brown songs following his arrest Sunday for allegedly attacking a girlfriend and fellow artist Rihanna. The station says it won't play any Brown tracks until the legal case is resolved, which uh, ties in with um, some of the kind of disturbing details that you all had uh, this morning about the whole thing. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It definitely is disturbing. Um, and the latest detail in this case that we found out is that the L.A. Uh, County District Attorney's Office has received the Chris Brown case uh, this morning but kicked it back over to the LAPD um, saying that they need further uh, information and that there's further investigation um, that is needed. Uh, this is all because Brown was booked on a charge of felony criminal threats, um, so before it goes to the DA, again, it's going back to LAPD to get some more information. For those of you just figuring out what this story is, um, Chris Brown and Rihanna, Rihanna's the girl that sings that umbrella, Ella, Ella song. Uh, you know, they've been dating for several months now. They were out this weekend. It was Grammy weekend in Los Angeles. Uh, the couple went to uh, a pre-Grammy party, and then they were supposed to head on to the Grammys and some other events uh, and did not get to the other events because they then went to some other uh, neighborhood. 
They were driving in a rented Lamborghini that Chris Brown was driving, and apparently that's where some sort of altercation took place. A 911 call was placed not by Rihanna but by neighbors in that neighborhood saying that they could hear her screaming because allegedly Chris Brown was beating her up. Um, the original information that came down said that Rihanna um, – there, there was a deadly weapon in use, but what we found out is that Rihanna has claimed that Brown struck her with his fist, and that's what actually did the damage. We've also found out that uh, Rihanna's injuries are described as horrific by a insider law enforcement um, person leaking us some sort of information. They said that both sides of her face um, had major contusions. There was serious swelling and bruising. Her lip was split and her nose was bloody, um, and that there were also bite marks on her arm as well as several of her fingers. So, like you said, you know, this Cleveland radio station is not playing Chris Brown songs, and a lot of other stuff has fallen through. Uh, obviously, you know, this has to go into the, the court system before anyone, you know, is proven guilty. So, we're innocent until proven guilty. But a lot of these sponsors are pulling away from Chris Brown immediately, um, including, I think it was Double Mint Gum has um, decided that they're not going to be playing any ads with Chris Brown. And the milk ad with Chris Brown has already been pulled as well. And so, I, I know that these are all allegations at this point, but is there, I mean, how do I how do I phrase this question? Is, Is there, there any question that it really wasn't? Him? Well, no, that no, I was I sir. Let me put it this way: I wasn't going to ask at all if it wasn't him or if there's some sort of mix-up. That that question had never occurred to me. I will ask this: Is there? I mean, was there any like indication that there was ever anything like this before? In other words, no, any, that know, is what's really interesting is that you know we've not had any information that the, that there was you know trouble in paradise for the, this couple you know even um, people were saying that they were disappointed that they didn't show up to the Grammys because they thought that Rihanna and Chris Brown were going to kind of be like the king and queen of like the prom because they're just like this fun cute young hot celebrity couple and no one's heard of any trouble in paradise um, we do know that Chris Brown's family growing up there was some um, indication and I think some interviews where he talked about some domestic violence in his childhood, but again, nothing concerning Chris Brown with Rihanna, so we had no reason to think that this was about to happen, uh, allegedly. Right. Um, well, I don't know. It, it, probably anything else we talk about at this point is just going to seem gonna like an inappropriately weird uh, segue, so this is kind of the, the biggest thing happening right now, so I think probably... It really is. Yeah, for now, I guess we will uh, we'll wait to see uh, what unfolds with that. So, um, as always, we appreciate you taking a few minutes with us. Katie Darrell from TMZ, uh, TMZ Television, right here in Portland, Oregon, 11.30 uh, p.m. tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Katie. Thanks. Talk to you guys. All right, there Bye. you go. That's uh, Katie Darrell. Contusions sound like nothing to sneeze at. That's not like, you know, scrapes, minor cuts. Yeah, that, well, you know, like when the cops come and they when the cops come and they give you the question, uh, the cops come and they talk to whoever it is, usually the woman, and they say, hey, so uh, tell us about tell us about all this bleeding you're doing. And then the woman says, well, after after the whole he's a good man and he's a great father part, then the woman always says, well, uh, well, we had a fight and a misunderstanding. And then the next question the cop immediately goes to is, was it an open fist or was it a closed fist? And that's that's the thing, you know, where it's like, was it a was it a slap, which is it's not like you got to be slapping people, but it is like, was it a slap or was the fist closed? Because that's I think. I think that is generally accepted to be the dividing line between, like, a battery and just a simple sort of assault. Okay, um, riddle me this. I know that, you know, the answer is probably allegedly apparent to everybody, but is there anybody else that they're suspecting that could have... Well, and it was in the middle of the goddamn street, I mean, apparently. But, I mean, is there, so <laughs> supposedly they were having this thing so that there's no other possibility. No, I mean, I... I, I I don't know. Like I mean, witnesses and everything. That just seems so stupid. All I, yeah. I mean, all I know is what everybody knows, which is that, uh, and this is what Jim Roop uh, from CNN said yesterday, which is that, if I'm getting all this correct, that they were at a series of parties 
together, uh, Rihanna and Chris Brown, and then he said that it, I think Roop said they got into a fight at the party, and then they left the party in his rented Lamborghini, which is like like a page out of 1987. I mean, it doesn't even seem, I mean, that's just, that's just weird. That's like somebody who was sitting up late, late at night and like stoned watching too many episodes of Miami Vice and decided, that's it, and then I'll shave my head and become, uh, become a Phil Collins-like drug dealer. Um, but... Because they left the party in the rented Lamborghini, and then, as Roop put it, then the altercation spilled out sort of into the streets. And I guess there were several uh, witnesses. I mean, this is what I think what Roop was saying. There's witnesses and people who sort of saw it because, again, it was like out in public. And then Katie Darrow was saying a bunch of neighbors were calling. Like, hey, Rihanna appears to be getting the tar beaten out of her. Uh, well, you know, you ought to do something about that. So, anyway. So, ugh, it just makes me feel icky. I'm just saying. I know these are all allegations, but uh, so speaking in generalities, uh, it, you know, it does seem like there are. Uh, and allegedly, I'm not yeah. even going to say it. I yeah, just, but you know. they're just a really what a bummer because you never know what's going on behind closed doors, right. you know, because they really did look like a super cute couple. Yes, yes, they did. I'm sorry, I don't want to be uh, overly exercised about it, so I'm going to move on at this juncture. Okay, okay. I'm going to tell you about Jonathan Knight's gay lover, Sarah, and then we'll have more news from Don Taylor. I just oh, because I teased this earlier, so I want I want to get to it now. As I wish we had some uh, sort of sexy time music uh, for this. This is from uh, page 31 of the new issue of the National Enquirer. Thank you. As the new kids on the block continue their much-publicized reunion tour, a hunky Brazilian model has come forward to the National Enquirer to share details of his three-year gay romance with new kids heartthrob Jonathan Knight. Female fans were heartbroken in the 80s when they learned that Jonathan was dating I Think We Were Alone Now singer Tiffany. But it wasn't long after that relationship fizzled that Jonathan realized he preferred guys to girls, said Kyle Wilker, 27. John told me he had real feelings for Tiffany, but eventually realized he was more attracted to men, says Kyle. We had a wonderful relationship. I was in love with him, and I believe he was in love with me. Indeed, as these exclusive Inquirer photographs show... Sarah. Oh, wow. Yeah, right there. That's a big kiss. That is some gay love and kissing. That's a lip lock right there. Can I see the kissing? Yes, there you, go, yes, right you there. have to share it. Oh, that's some kissing. All right, that's definitely go. kissing. And that's not just like girls who like do the little squinchy face. That is their photographic girlfriend. evidence of actual that's kissing. Just, that's not even like weird uh, European kissing. Uh, uh, that, you know, like a whole lot of like, and we will go to play Baccarat later. Uh, uh, let's see. The two men look happy as they share fun times and intimate moments. Jonathan has never officially announced his sexual orientation. There have long been reports that he's gay. Jonathan and Kyle met in 2005 while Kyle was, wait for it, working at a bar on Fire Island. We clicked and began having great conversation. Kyle said, I knew he was flirting with me, but nothing happened. Uh, then blah, 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 blah. We saw each other every day for 18 months. John doesn't behave like a rock star. He likes to lead a simple lifestyle, sitting home, watching movies, being a regular guy. I called Jonathan Knight of New Kids on the Block a straight guy who happens to be gay. The romance. I don't know the answer to that, Sarah. The romance cooled when Jonathan and New Kids began touring last fall, and the relationship transitioned into a comfortable friendship, says Kyle. Sometimes people just grow apart, he said, but we're still friends. We talk all the time. I wonder if, really, I wonder if that's going to continue past uh, this being in the uh, new issue of The Inquirer, by the way. We're still friends. We talk all the time and confide our innermost thoughts to each other, or occasionally to the Inquirer. I have good memories of my romance with John and no regrets. It's a beautiful, romantic story. 
By the way, and then there's a photograph here of the new kid on the block now. Exactly. <laughs> that I auctioned to the highest bidder. Happy Valentine's Day, baby. L'amour. Uh, you may want to go to the newsstand, darling. Uh, right here's a picture of the new kids on the block. And I have to say, first of all, Donnie Wahlberg has made uh, the transition from uh, young douchebag into adult douchebag rather splendidly. He is, in fact, where this is a grown man, by the way, in 2009. And the new kids, and I know that it's important to maintain one's image. Put your baseball cap forward, for the no, love of God. Straighten that. All right. Uh, and then you've still got uh, Danny Wood, who looks... Looks as though uh, you picked him up at the Humane Society. He's always looked like a little monkey man. He does. I mean, that he looks like he he looks like uh, like they like they he ought to be in one of those PETA videos where they're he like cruel like testing has disfigured this animal. Seriously, he does look like an animal. I remember my sister and I talking about it when we were little, even like when I loved the new Castle Black in fifth grade. And like Danny Wood looks funny. He does. <laughs> Mommy, Danny Wood doesn't look like other humans. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen at the news desk, Dawn. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. An eccentric British book dealer appeared in court Tuesday in Consett, England, charged with stealing a rare first folio of Shakespeare's plays from a university library. Self-described dilettante... Raymond Scott, 51, arrived for the brief hearing in a chauffeur-driven silver stretch limo, dressed almost entirely in white and holding a cigar and an opened cup of instant noodles. He read aloud from Shakespeare's Richard III before entering the court. Okay. Uh, police say the 1623 folio, one of the most important books in the English language, is worth about three million pounds, which would be about four point five million dollars. It was among seven centuries old books and manuscripts stolen from Durham University Library in northern England in 1998. The book was recovered after a man walked into the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington, D.C. in June and asked for its authenticity to be checked. Always a good thing. Hey, uh, I've got this incredibly old book that disappeared a few is this real? This is always this is like the guy who calls the cops because he got shortchanged when he bought some weed. Yeah. You know, the guy charged me for a quarter. It's only an eighth. I need you to go bust him. Library staff contacted police who traced the man and arrested Scott. Scott has previously denied theft and handling stolen goods, saying he bought the book in Cuba. Because uh, there's there's a uh, there's a hot Shakespeare smuggling uh, ring going on in Cuba. Seriously. No, they can't get enough of it down there. No, no, no. It's a, it's a hotbed. Uh, he did not enter a plea at Tuesday's hearing in Consett, which is 250 miles north of London. He was released on bail until his next hearing on April 14th. He told Folger Library staff that he was an international businessman, and he has complained about the slow pace of his case in the court, saying, Like Hamlet, Prince of Denmark, I have had to suffer not only the whips and scorns of time, but also the law's delay. All right. All this, by the way, while holding a cup of noodles outside the courtroom yeah. and gotten out of his car. All right. You know, it's the details that make these stories fantastic. Excellent. Here's Dawn Taylor, ladies and gentlemen. We have a double religious nutcase watch. Excellent. Here's your religious nutcase watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. decided while driving to Port St. Lucie from Georgia. Port St. Lucie, by the way, which is in Florida. Oh, damn it, damn it, damn it. Oh. 
that she needed to kill her father. Should we try this again? I don't even know what that was. It's like a random... Barack Obama! Oh, that's wrong. Stop. <laughs> God, you're spiking the ball now. It's running up the score over there. So Amy Kern decided, while driving from Port St. Lucie, Florida, to Georgia, that she needed to kill her father, quote, because she felt like he was Satan and she was Jesus, according to the police reports. Uh, instead, Kern, who had battled mental illness for about 10 years and threatened to kill her father as early as 2007, stole a gun from the home of her father, Richard Kern, beginning a three-county shooting spree, shooting spree, where she shot at strangers on Interstate 95 in Martin County and Port St. Lucie. By the way, I think we can say she's no longer battling against mental illness. I think the battle has <laughs> been lost. the battle has been lost. Uh, before killing two family members in Palm Beach County. Oh. Police reports from Jupiter and Kern's hometown of St. Mary's, Georgia, released Monday, shed more light on her mental illness. Uh, police are continuing to investigate the killings of 80-year-old Jupiter resident Donna Kern, Amy Kern's grandmother, and 59-year-old Palm Beach Gardens resident William E. Chapman. Jupiter police charged Kern with first-degree murder of Donna Kern by bludgeoning and stabbing her with a tire iron. She was also charged with burglary to an occupied dwelling and discharging a firearm in that burglary. A spokeswoman for Palm Beach Gardens Police said that Kern has been charged with one count of first-degree murder and one count of armed burglary. Is there a Chapman's photograph death. of her? Does that mean like a picture of she what she looks like? She actually looks like a very pretty, very bored woman. Who happens she to believe She does not look pretty look like really. in the face of Jesus. No, but you know what? But there's nothing behind. Those are dead eyes. No. Yeah, those are like burned-out flash cubes. There's but she doesn't there. look any more crazy than your average oh, you know, yeah. Miss USA contestant. No, that's a whole lot of... Like, no, she's cute, but she's... Insane. The sound inside her head is just a low-level drone that just... You, mm, dead eyes are the scariest. I dated someone with dead eyes and... Do I know the person with dead eyes? Yeah, yeah. Well... You think so? Absolutely. I'll show you a picture right now. <laughs> please show me a... Please show me a picture of your ex with dead eyes. Okay. What if you were Romeo with dead eyes? All right. Well, Kern told uh, Jupiter Police Saturday she had been staying in a hotel in Georgia for two weeks, but she became paranoid that her former fiancé... Uh, Andrew Charnisky of St. Mary's, would come to the hotel and hurt her, so she decided to drive to her father's home in Florida. While she was driving to Florida, she said, as she was driving, she got it in her head that she was going to get a gun and shoot at her father, according to the report. Uh, reached by her phone Monday, uh, Charnisky said, Kern suffers from bipolar disease and postpartum depression. They have a two-month-old daughter together. Oh, no. Of course. He said Kern tried repeatedly to get help for her depression and her mental illness. I'm I'm thinking not hard enough. <laughs> I was going to say, like, how how difficult and is how it? How did she try and fail? I'd like to kind of find that out. No. Amy is the victim in all this, he said, completely, apparently unaware of the meaning of the word victim. She doesn't need prison. She needs a hospital. It's not her fault. She did everything she could to get the proper help. She dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's, and she was let down by the system. So in December, St. Mary's police arrested her after she tried to attack the fiancé with an axe. Uh, they had gotten into it. defending her right now? Yeah. They... So this is the, uh, this is the male Baby version daddy. of the, you know, no, no, she, he's a good man. That's like the. You don't know what he's like when we're alone. <laughs> she attacked him with an axe. Makes me feel like a princess. <laughs> she attacked him with an axe uh, after they got into an argument when she tried to put a pacifier in their then-one-month-old daughter's mouth while the baby was sleeping. Oh, for the love of God. Cherneski told her not to disturb the baby, so she grabbed the daughter and began dangling her by her clothes. She's also threatened to kill relatives who came to the house to calm her down. 
Well, it's good to see that he took the appropriate action and had her stuck in a booby hatch somewhere. Yes. For the love of God. Well, you know, because here, this is just like, what was it, that nutcase woman? Was it Andrea Yates? Not the, the, the nutcase woman in Texas was drowning her kids. Yeah. And the husband was like, no, 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 she was really depressed. You don't, uh, no, she was really down. No, seriously, she was, uh, she was not happy about things. And it's, you, you just, it's just like where you just wish you could reach to the television and just throttle him. So, that's with an axe. All right. Well, there you go. Do and we now have we a have second half? part two of All our right. religious nutcase match. A Long Island woman Monday admitted drowning her three young children last year, saying she believed they were victims of a voodoo attack. Leatrice Brewer, 28, pleaded not responsible by reason of mental disease or defect in the deaths on February 24th last year of her daughter, Jewel, and the girl's half-brothers, 5-year-old Michael and 18-month-old Innocent. Uh, Under the police, she'll be confined to a psychiatric facility instead of prison. Uh, Prosecutors noted separate psychiatric evaluations determined that while Brewer understood she was killing her children, she believed it was to save them and herself from the potentially fatal effects of voodoo. To save them from the fatal effect, never mind. There's not even any internal logic. I'm not even, never mind. You know, no, I'm just going to move on. Yeah, the decision to allow Brewer to plead not responsible did not sit well with the father of the two young boys, who is suing county officials over the deaths. Uh, 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 Yeah, his name is also Innocence Demisieu. He attended the court hearing with his attorney and says that uh, Brewer's guilt or innocence, quote, should be decided by regular people on a jury and not by lawyers and politicians. And by the way, just as we sort of wrap this up, somebody just sent this one to me. So we have a, we'll make it a hat trick today. Here's your trifecta religious nutcase watch. Uh, This comes to us from Saudi Arabia, our partners in peace. Girl gets year in jail, 100 lashes for adultery. Oh, but wait. You're about to find out the rest of the story. This is from uh, Dateline uh, at Jeddah, I believe this is called. This is uh, this is in uh, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. This is from the SaudiGazette.com, which is undoubtedly a bustling little picayune of a newspaper. <laughs> a 23-year-old unmarried woman was awarded one year in prison. I guess that's like second prize. I don't know what the first prize award is. A 23-year-old unmarried woman was given one year in prison and a hundred lashes for committing adultery. The district court in Saudi Arabia, Jeddah, pronounced the verdict on Saturday after the girl confessed that she had been forced into sexual intercourse with a man who had offered her a ride. Oh, my God. The man, the girl confessed, took her to a rest house east of Jeddah, where he and four of his friends repeatedly assaulted her for the entire evening. According to the ruling... The woman will be sent to a jail outside Jeddah to spend her time and will be lashed after delivery of her baby, who will take the mother's last name. There you go. Saudi Arabia. People of God. Back after this with Dawn Taylor and the Happy Valentine's Day or Not Contest. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Stay there. Hi, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 
Uh, here's what's to come before the end of today's show. To, uh, happy Valentine's Day or not, uh, we'll have a Richie Bristol breakup story. We will read a breakup story from an audience member. And then I believe, Dawn Taylor, do you have a breakup story to share with us? I have I have a small little one, sure. Fantastic. See, you're understating it, so I know it's going to be good. You're kind of doing the slow roll right there. Uh, let's see, what else? I got this, uh, this quick Britney thing to read here. And uh, we have like us coming up at three. About Britney story. Michael Mara at seven, and then Henry at eleven, and then right here is the thing I will get to. It's the Britney deal, and it's from the Inquirer. And I've kind of hit all the high points, like the thing about like there's. Let's see. Um, the, the, the cover story is uh, Britney's stolen diaries. Here's what's in them. And the great thing is they sort of do this artist rendering in the front of what her scrawl would look like in the diary. Um, and so certain things are in all caps or like you know in red ink. Um, Brittany writes she has heard voices talking to her for years, revealed the insider. She still hears them, and they tell her to run away and hide. Um, Brittany hears voices in her head and answers them out loud. Once she was sitting with her, with her mother and Kevin, and she started responding to the voices in her head, speaking out loud. They all thought she was talking to her. It didn't make any sense. But then we've got this one right here. This is about the head shaving. And she says, uh, let's see, after checking out of a rehab facility in February 20, uh, 2007, the unpredictable Brittany made international headlines by shaving herself bald. And she still, listen to this, she fears her those infamous photos will come back to haunt her kids. She says it as though it's like a possibility. Like oh it's a God. theoretical. Oh, have that, like, tattooed on their bodies and stuff. Like it, like it might or might not happen. I mean, like, they may find out. I mean, and also like, ooh, hey, look, uh, here's my vagina. And ooh, hey, look, here's some bloody underwear. Because um, you know the first day those kids get up at school, a kid's going to go like, hey, here's your mom's vagina. What do you think about that, pal? Yeah. Oh God. That's right. All right. Um, she confides at the time. I'll just put it this way. I will quiz Dawn and, and, and Sarah about this. Why do you believe Brittany shaved her head, according to this article? She had lice. Now, see, and I instantly believe that that was probably true, but that's not the reason they give. They give here, according to her diaries, allegedly, the acquirer says, they reveal the reason she shaved her head. Well, isn't it because of the reason that we thought? Like, because she thought Kevin was going to drug test her hair? Um, see, they say that's not the case either. You're thinking way too, no, you're not thinking nearly crazy enough. Don Taylor? I have nothing. I, I just saw that happen and went, oh, crazy. I you know, there's so many different ways someone could be crazy that causes them to shave their own head. I remember another one, like her hair extensions were too tight. I don't remember that one. Yeah. That doesn't. Isn't that thing you can just loosen them? It's like you're just like cutting up your. Like these shoes are too tight. Get the axe. I know why. Because uh, the hair extensions were made of artificial hair, and they were picking up uh, transmissions from the alien <laughs> space guys. You are so close to being correct. Brittany confides that she was out of her head at the time and suffering from delusions. Michael. <laughs> She believed that someone had planted an electronic bug in her hair. Oh, my God, Don. You were so close. You know crazy like the back of your hand, sister. I'm all over crazy. She couldn't think of a way to get rid of it except to have her head shaved. The end. There you go. All right. Uh, Richie Bristol, will you join us now in the studio? We'll have Don Taylor do a, a few news stories here, and we will unveil today's uh, breakup story after this. Don Taylor. Right. I'm sure they were disappointed at losing the best new artist Grammy on Sunday, but pop stars the Jonas Brothers, Nick, Joe, and Kevin, said they were blown away simply to be performing with Stevie Wonder. Aww. There's a little disappointment, but the performance was a win for us, Joe told Reuters Monday in an interview to promote the rock group's upcoming Disney movie, Jonas Brothers, the 3D Concert Experience. And by the way, I was talking to Bobby about this, and if you have not seen Coraline, uh, the 3D presentation of Coraline, you got to do it, because he would, he, the, the weird thing is, in Portland, because they made that at, like, a studios in Hillsborough, 
They're going to be getting rid of most of the prints of Coraline and 3D here in Portland and replacing them with the 3D Jonas Brothers film. So you got like two weeks to see Coraline, or it's going to be Jonas oh, Brothers man. instead. So you got to like uh, get your ass in there to do it now. Um, so everybody I talked to about the Jonas Brothers Stevie Wonder thing, they all said the same two things in this order. They all said, "Oh God, I just don't know that I can forgive Stevie Wonder for it." And then they all paused. And it was like, it wasn't even like they were making a joke. It's like they were trying to come up with a plausible reason why they might have seen that on the television. And they all said, do you suppose he even knew he was singing with the Jonas Brothers? Which I guess is sort of a wacky joke about blindness. But I mean, it doesn't, you know, like, who is it? It's the temptation, Stevie. Just get out there. Go. So I don't, I do have to say, by the way, that I don't, and I really don't want to uncork like a whole discussion with the Jonas Brothers. I really just don't know why all the hate, though. I just, they just seem like. Like, I just don't, I'm so indifferent uh, to them. Maybe if I had kids and I was forced to be exposed to them, or if it was like a thing I had to hear all the time, but it just seems like we sort of, uh, I don't know, like we sort of rolled, you know, like a multi-sided die in a game. Who shall we hate? Uh, Jonas Brothers. Let's go. You always got to hate the uh, the latest uh, pop boy band, though. I mean, that's the, it's like, remember, everyone hated Hanson? I, no, I never and hated Hanson. Hanson were, they actually were pretty good. I'm proud to say that I never hated Hanson. Uh, I'm like, I'm a member of the Hanson fan club or whatever, but I... Uh, I, I never disliked them, and I don't dislike them now. And by the way, and I somebody did tell me, by the way, that Jonas Brothers write all their own stuff, uh, which if you know, if true, sort of impresses me. So I think it's a, I think that's a little bit of a, a little bit of that ageism that happens there, uh, where you know people look at anybody who's sort of bright and shiny and squeaky, and they go must hate, and then you know they just sort of switch it on. That's why I get so much hostility. I am I am bright and shiny and squeaky, and people just just can't deal with it because of your shininess. Tom. <laughs> Bless you. God, I just only sneeze in here. Thank you. You know, I bet there's an electronic bug inside your nose. <laughs> if I were you, I'd take a power sander to your face, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Hello, Richie Bristol. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. All right, here's how we're going to do this today. Do you have the uh, winner's uh, story, Richie? I printed it. <laughs> do you have the winner's story, Richie? All right, thanks so much. Would you like to hear my story while he's gone? Because it's no, no, we're gonna save yours. Oh, no, okay. we're gonna we're See, gonna, no, you're gonna build it. it up and make and you're gonna think that it's way better. Than well, it. if it's you're silly. yeah, if you feel uncomfortable about it, I have one little breakup story no, too. I'm gonna do yours it. first. Would you like to start? with I yours? can start with mine. All right, here's how we're gonna do it. We will start with Don Taylor's breakup story. Then I will read this breakup story from a listener. If we read your breakup story on the air, by the way, you want a seventy-five dollar gift card to ProFlowers. Dot com. So you go to 970.am and you uh, type in your breakup story, 200 words or less. We read it on the air. You get the $75 gift card. Then we will end with Richie Bristol's breakup story. Ladies and gentlemen, we now present Happy Valentine's Day or Not, Don Taylor edition. I went out on a couple of dates with a very lovely young man. Um, things went kind of slowly, yes, you know, the first couple of dates. Uh, I discovered when we were making out for a very long period of time and then finally... I took the initiative and put his hand on my breast, and he looked into my eyes and said, thank you, that something was going on. He explained to me that uh, he had been in a Buddhist monastery for several years, and this was the first opportunity he had in a while to be intimate with a woman. And yet that's not actually the interesting part of the story. That's not why I'm telling the story. Smile under things that only happened to Dawn. We spent the night together, and the next morning uh, we were on our way to breakfast. I was driving. And we're driving along, he's asking me about my background, about my growing up years. And you probably know what this is like. Uh, you tell the same story often enough about your childhood. Whatever. You've actually developed some one-liners, mm-hmm. just glib little ways of getting the information across. 
Um, my father was from Nebraska. My mother was kind of, my mother's family were all poor, but sort of uh, shabby chic. You know, they had antiques, but no money, that kind of thing. But my, fa- my father's family were like Nebraska farmers who moved to California. So I told him, as I often told people, I was one generation removed from the trailer park. There was a moment of silence, and then he said, I grew up in a trailer. My mother was a single mother, and we didn't have any mother, but she any money, but she did the best she could to raise my brother and I. And I really hate it when people say bad things about trailer parks because I grew up in one, and I had a really good, loving home. And so I apologized, and we continued on, and we went to breakfast, which was now very awkward because he hated me. <laughs> That would cause some awkwardness. <laughs> and then I twinge. I drove him home, and he said goodbye, and I never heard from him again. Let me understand this. So you actually so angered a Buddhist monk that he never called you again. Yes, because I made fun of living in a dream. <laughs> Sorry, we're laughing uh, near you. <laughs> <I'm> sh- <laughs> Don Taylor, ladies and gentlemen. Let me read this entry from Barbara. Pro Flowers Valentine's Day winner, Barbara says, by the way, Barbara wins a $75 gift card to proflowers.com. Go there, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, type in Emerson, or call 1-800-PRO-FLOWERS. I mention my name for amazing deals. That is proflowers.com. We were going through a rough patch, but had made plans for our wedding anniversary. I took the child of ours to a friend's for the night and started making dinner for two. My husband called and said he was running late. I hung up. There was a knock at the door. I opened the door. Someone asked me if I was Barbara. I said I was. They handed me an envelope. I opened the envelope. I had been served divorce papers as I was making our anniversary dinner. Happy Valentine's Day, or not. Signed, Barbara. <laughs> Hello, Richie Bristol. Hello. Hey, How are you? Uh, we will end uh, this segment with a story from the life of one uh, Richard Bristol. Are you trying to track down that girl that you poured Kool-Aid all over? Yep. I left a uh, message. But it was Snapple. It was Snapple. Oh, it was Snapple. Snapple. I remember it was Snapple. What's like kiwi strawberry? I don't. She'll remember. Okay. I'm sure. All right. Uh, so uh, <laughs> you have prepared a. Uh, when when did this, did this happen? When is this break? Uh, this one was probably mm, maybe two years before this one. Ten years. All right. Can you get ten years up further up on the yep? Okay. We do this every day. I know. Seriously, and you've worked in radio for like ten years. I know they're all different. You, no, they you all got go in front of your face. Oh, okay. Seriously, it's not like a secret microphone where you have to jump on, on <laughs> one foot and bark like a dog for it to work. Okay. All right. There you go. Are we, are we ready? Yeah. Right, ladies and gentlemen, here is Richie Bristol's breakup story. I'm calling this one uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. <clears throat> Years ago, I lived with an exotic dancer. A sexy, tan Latino girl that was slightly off in the head. She had some weird thoughts in her head, besides just the fact that she was in love with me. She also believed that when she was on stage or doing lap dances, that angels from heaven were with her and would protect her from evil. This is who I lived with for over a year. This was my partner in life. Through thick and thin, my soulmate. Yes, she was nuts. 
That summer, I traveled to San Francisco just to purchase some production equipment for a company I had throwing raves in abandoned warehouses. During my trip to San Francisco, I visited friends and ended up partying far, far too long and far, far too hard to find myself nine days later at a rave in Ibiza. Finally, after I woke up from a hazy memory of a road trip in San Francisco, I finally left San Francisco Francisco speeding up I-5 in a U-Haul truck full of DJ equipment on my way back home. When I finally arrived at my homestead as I yelled, Honey, I'm home! I noticed women's sexy clothing trailing from the couch to my room to another room. I followed the trail of women's lingerie to end in my own, now empty, roommate's room. To find it like a ghost town with a note and a videotape that read, Joe and I decided to move out and move to Pittsburgh. Enjoy your life and take care. Enjoy this goodbye video. I watched the videotape to see my girl having filmed herself with my roommate on my furniture in my clothes. Nothing was spared. Everything I owned was in this video. What a horrible goodbye. That ends. Wow. In your clothes? <laughs> yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, on my bed. Um, P.S., I just want to, everyone to know for the record that Rick fell off his chair. <laughs> when you said that when she was doing a lap dance. <laughs> she did lap dances. The angels were dancing around her. And protecting her. Yeah. I didn't really anticipate that twist in the... Uh, and what did you say? A road trip to Ibiza. Yeah. That's a Patton Oswald thing right there. That's a sort of queer here, apples sort of a deal. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, congratulations, and I'm sorry, uh, Barbara. You win a $75 gift card uh, to proflowers.com. Okay. And so forth. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this. By the way, uh, for those of you playing the home game, uh, Sirius XM Satellite Radio is filing for bankruptcy. Well done. You never made a single dime. Goodbye. All right, back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. Hey, Don Taylor, so uh, you write for film.com, but I know there's like nothing in the world of DVDs happening this week. It's just a bunch of crap. Right now, like Madagascar 2 came out today. Woo! Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not a, not a big uh, day for DVDs. That's, right that's just a great summation, by the way. That's like that guy who used to do uh, two word reviews for like in the back of a spin or something, and it was just, you know, and, like uh, when Quiet Riots. Uh, Condition critical came out. It was like condition critical, and he put like prognosis terminal. But the other one was there was there was some there was some notorious record uh, review, and I forget what it was. Oh, it was for Bob Dylan's self portrait. It was uh, Robert uh, Christgau, I think his name is, and he was a record reviewer for Rolling Stone. And I can't say it on the air, unfortunately, like really the way that the way that it ought to be said. But when Bob Dylan put out the self portrait uh, album, his entire review was 
what is this S? <laughs> and, like, that's it. And, like, he ran that, and apparently Jan Wenner, Jan Wenner somehow didn't see it until it was already on the newsstand. <laughs> and Wenner was like, you are out! And he, like, cast him into the wilderness or whatever. So, woohoo! I know you're going to have uh, Dave Zinn down here to tell us how much he loves Oh, let's 13. do that now, because you uh, went to see that as well. Yeah. All right. Good call, Don Taylor. Thank you. All right. All right. Let's uh, see if Dave Zinn answers the uh, phone up there. Because this was last night, and I wasn't able to go, and I've been sort of looking forward to it because I saw the, um, I'm calling to buy advertising. I've got thousands of dollars in my pocket. I'm going to give it to the first radio company that answers the phone. This is the number I got out of the Yellow Pages that I was looking through. Because I've been advertising in the Yellow Pages, and I feel like... Hello. I was looking for uh, First Avenue. Is that the... Yeah, um, give it a minute and call back again. Okay. You must be away from the desk for a minute. Okay, thank you. Okay, bye. That sucks since we only have like a minute left. Do you want to do a teaser for the Little Wayne song? Let me just... Uh, Rick. Just if I can... <laughs> well, it's become a whole thing. Well, you walked out on the Friday the 13th movie. I did. I just left because no. I was bored. Is it now because... I mean, it wasn't even accidentally amusing? I... Not to me. That I think that's the issue. Not to me. I I I'm not a huge fan of the franchise to begin with, mm-hmm. and I went to this thinking, okay, they're going to do a reboot. Maybe they'll do something new and fresh and and interesting with it. And it's more just douchebaggy guys and girls with breast implants getting hacked up with right. machetes. And you know, and and the fun is supposed to be in like how unpleasant these people are. And then Jason shows up and goes, ah, and your foot's in a bear trap. Yeah, and 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 meanwhile, then for added boredom value, you got Jared Padalecki walking around, passing out flyers, going, "Have you seen my sister? I'm looking for my sister." You know, and and it's it's I found it just dull. Yeah, Jared Padalecki, by the way, who's he's really fallen a long way since he was on the Gilmore Girls, uh, which I think we are all going to look back now that that was the high water mark of his career. And he's the king of those things now. He was in yeah. House of Wax. He was he's been in a couple. He's found of the niche. Now. Um, you know, and the but thing, the, uh, I, that's just me, though. The audience seemed to be enjoying it. But I, then again, you know. You know, I got a bunch of uh, texts from people who were like, uh, you know, Aaron didn't like it. Aaron Duran didn't like it. Dave Zinn did. Our friend, uh, Mailman Chris, uh, loved it, but you walked out. So, I mean, it, you have to think that the original movies are just crap, though. I mean, they're just awful. Yeah. And I love the franchise as part of pop culture, but they're just terrible. And I was hoping, because it would have been, in a weird way, sort of, like, subversive if they'd actually made it good. Yeah. You know? And, and that's you know. what I was hoping for. No. I like horror movies that are actually scary. I'm not a big fan of the whole Saw-type right. torture porn thing. And this seems almost a revisiting of that. Like, let's just kill people in not even particularly interesting ways. By the way, I'm going to be, uh, I'll, I'll be putting a link up uh, to your Polidori Chocolates uh, company because you actually brought us uh, some chocolates. Oh, my God. I just had one of the most incredible chocolate I've ever had. Oh, people, so, soon, someday soon, people will be able to buy them. But if you do go to the Polidori Chocolates website, uh, you can sign up for the mailing list, and then you'll find out uh, when when we're live. I'll put a link up tonight. Don Taylor, thank you so much. We will uh, see you next time. It's the Rick Emerson Show. I got everything I want. Bye. I got no love. Now, fail. Bless her.